0: We got our orders from all the headshed, and they said the Russians, their paratroopers are airborne, and they're on the way to Pristina Airport. Like, loads of them, I've never seen anything like it. Which is it, lads, we're going in now. The general in charge of the army at the time. He knew what the paras are like, and he said, I'm not going to be responsible for World War III. We were spearheading the whole of NATO because they know you're going down, yeah. you're sending the Paris in first. Yeah. And there was ethnic cleansing going on. It was the Serbs with the local Muslim populations yeah. Yeah. and they were horrendous what they were doing. The police would arrest people and they'd never be seen again. What yeah. was your
1: movement when you come back from Kosovo?
0: So, I was then started fighting again while I was in and was doing really well. Probably done 600 or 700 individual actual fights.
1: Have you had 600 or Yeah, of fights? Prob-
0: probably. And I've done various parts. I've done points, continuous, and full contact. And I've won titles in all of them. I want it to be the best version of myself that I possibly could do.
1: What was your uh, relationship like with Jean Claude Van Damme? Ah, and that was a bit of a story,
0: actually, if you want me, if you want me to yeah. tell you about it. So...
1: Welcome to the Eventful Lives podcast. I'm your host Dodge, and I'm the founder of Bournemouth Sevens, the world's largest sport and music festival. On this podcast, I speak to proper characters of all lived eventful lives. Do us a favour and hit that follow button, and be sure to check us out on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Dodge Woodle, where we've now had over a hundred million views. From soldier to seven-figure entrepreneur, Lee Matthews talks about his experience in the Paratroop Regiment, going head to head with the Russians, and spearheading NATO. Lee also delves into his journey of becoming the world kickboxing champion, with over 600 fights, and the relationship he'd built with martial arts legend Jean Claude Van Damme. This is the eventful life of Mr. Lee Matthews. Lee, welcome to the show, mate. How you doing? Very good. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, mate, this is a pleasure. Yeah. Let's roll the way back. Where did you grow up, and how did you become a paratrooper and a world kickboxing champion?
0: Right. Yeah. Uh, we'll go back to right back to the start. I suppose yeah, I yeah. grew up in a place called Telford, Shropshire. Have you heard of it before? Yeah, I've heard of Telford? Yes, yeah. Yeah, so it's like a new a new town. Well, they called it a new town back in the 70s when we uh, when it was all, you know, um being being kind of built and everything. Mm-hmm. But it's basically a collection of small villages, really, from the old industrial revolution. You know, you got Ironbridge, a place called Maidley, Wellington, um Hadley, and a few of the other older Dorley And they basically just stuck a load of council estates around them a big town centre in the middle and a lovely little town park, Uh then called it Telford. Mm. Uh, but because of that, it didn't really have any... That was probably in the 70s, I think, and it was an overspill from council estates, from Birmingham, Wolverhampton, uh, Liverpool, and lots of other places. People were coming from London as well. They were like, advertising it on the TV. There used to be an advert and show the town park and all mm. Ironbridge and all the nice bits, not all the shit stuff <laughs> that was there. Uh, it's improved somewhat now anyway. Yeah. But um, yeah, so basically... Um, it was quite subdivided. So a lot of the places had, these little villages had their own personalities. They even had their own little accents, to be honest with you. And because of that, there was a lot of kind of uh, gang rivalry. Uh, you had, you'd have the schools in the different areas. Um, and you didn't really, I mean, you could go to the other areas, but it would be dodgy. As soon as people knew you are from another area, mm-hmm. um, you know, you, you can get yourself in a few sticky situations. Mm-hmm. So obviously I had to grow up. I went to quite a few different schools as well. We moved quite extensively from one thing or another. Um, Parents got divorced. Well, just before they got divorced, we moved to London for a year. as like a last-ditch attempt to kind of pull things together, which didn't work. I came back. I moved to a school the other side of Telford. I was in a place called Sturtsley. Went to Dorley, totally opposing sides. Um, And then, obviously, because I was a new guy, I was from that one side, there was all sorts of shit that was happening. And there was quite a lot of, of, as I said, um, even at school, a lot of a lot of trouble. So I was trying to kind of navigate that as a teenager. I was quite a really nice, young, sensitive young man, to be mm. honest with you. Uh, but there was danger, like a lot of danger be- behind every corner. So it, so it seemed... And uh, what was school life like for you? What were you actually like at school growing up through the years? So um, I later found out in my 30s, mm. the mid-30s, I'm dyslexic. Mm. Um, so I, there wasn't such a thing then. There was it probably the same for mm. you. Um, you're just in class four. Mm, yeah, <laughs> for, yeah, yeah, for exactly. everything. yeah, 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 yeah. So, and, and yeah. obviously, I have probably got some type of attention deficit, mm. which isn't really an attention deficit. You've got the, the way I look at it, it's like a hyper focus mm. in what you're interested in and a total disinterest in anything else. Yeah. So, I was later to discover that when I started to get into martial arts uh, and just obsess over it. So, because I was quite obsessed with my martial arts, I didn't really pay that much attention in school. Um, and I had a bit of an incident. Well, there's was quite a few where I'd, you know, get a couple of fights like you do, playground mm. fights at mm. school. I was quite tall. I was like 13 and I was nearly six foot when I was mm. 13. I was dead skinny. Mm. So I kind of looked quite a lot older. So I'd get into quite often get into like scrapes with older lads that were 17 or 18, probably assuming I was a lot older than I was. Um, there was one incident where I was sticks out over most of them where I was was 14, I was at a party uh, and I was with a couple of girls, we moved away from the main group and there was this pub in in, uh, Brookside, which is one of the areas and we'd walked from the party to the pub because they they had these little, I don't know if you remember them, kind of over the counter off licenses, Mm, like a little back door in the pub, you could go in the girls had makeup on, they were 14 Mm. or 15 they got served back then, you know what it was (laughs) like so we got some you know got some drinks to go back to the party there was a group of lads um outside and one of them i knew kind of uh they were a lot older than me 17 18 and this other lad was a year or two above me at school and he came over to talk but i just knew someone was like a miss um and you you know don't you because you mm. feel it you can feel it mm. don't you you don't need anyone to tell you anything I and mean, you know something's going to go off um so he one thing led to another and then he, Tried to take a shot at me and, move, and like I missed, he missed me, and then I started having a bit of a scrap with it. And then all of a sudden, I was just thrown to the ground by all the other lads behind and just beaten up and kicked in the face, and like just for no reason as well. Um, and I was with two girls, <coughs> and I obviously they pulled them off. I managed to get up. I think I ran to, to safety somewhere, um, and I would, that's the first time I'd experienced proper violence with no one to help me, with no idea of what the consequences would be if I hadn't have got out of it. And I think that situation, along with a couple of other ones, made me feel extremely vulnerable. And I remember thinking, I can't live like this. What am I going to do? I need to make myself as hard as I physically can so this never, ever happens to me again. Uh, And then I just delved into martial arts obsessively because I found it. there was a way. It was like a life hack. You could actually make yourself stronger. You can make yourself better. And as a young man, being able to fight is probably the most important thing you'll mm. know. Mm. You probably grew up in a similar time to mm. me. Yeah. Uh, and if you can look after yourself, that's that's a good thing, isn't it? Well, it's a confidence boost, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And it kind of trumps everything as well, doesn't yeah. it? If you're, if you're able to... Um, if you're able to defend yourself physically, mm. you
1: can stand up for yourself. So how old how old were you when you had that tear up? Then that was fourteen. Fourteen. And yeah. what was your what was your life moving forwards like, knowing that you're going training three days a week? Where were you training? What were you doing? So yeah, back then there wasn't that many places. No. no and in, what we talking here? We talking in the early nineties here?
0: That was probably yeah, probably moving late eighties, early nineties. Probably yeah. th- that's probably late eighties, early nineties. Yeah. I think okay. that would have been. So there was, obviously, there was martial arts about, yeah. uh, but where I lived in Telford wasn't an extremely, wasn't a city or anything. I think if you'd gone into the cities, you'd have had a lot more options. Mm-hmm. So you just had to kind of walk to wherever I wanted to go, to the local to the local places. Um, and then I started taking it a lot more seriously at that stage. So I went to I, I went to a few different places, Kung Fu. First tournament I actually did when I was 12. I did it with my stepbrother. Um, I lost my individual fight. And then I fought in the teams, got knocked out in the teams unconscious. <laughs> yeah. Like and and no one of in our team won. Yeah. And we fought these other because it was an under 18s section. And I think I was, I think I was about 12 at the time on that one. But I said, said I was quite tall. Yeah. it was under eighteens over so much, so much, so much of a height. So we lost, but I got a second place trophy, and I remember this. Yeah. And it didn't come for weeks because the event organizer mm. ran out of trophies like they did. Um, and I got it in the post afterwards, and it was the, the first time I'd ever won anything. And I hadn't, I got knocked out, didn't win my fight, <laughs> and it was the second place. <laughs> but I think that had more significance yeah. than anything I'd ever won you at what? that point. I was like, wow, I can actually, I promised myself I was never going to do it again. Yeah. I said, I'm not, I got knocked out. I felt terrible. I was terrified when I did it. But obviously, then the other incident happened. I got a bit older, my mindset changed, and then I got to 15, and then I started taking it really seriously then. Um, and I started trading with English contact karate it was like a full contact karate place it was just coming out back then it's like kickboxing mm. basically uh, in Telford and that was brilliant and I cuz so I could walk there and there were classes on four five, five days a week and you could double and triple your classes up mm. so I'd go down there and you know do loads of classes and I got in with some of the junior instructors and then I'll train with them separately as well in in other classes and I was getting bigger I was getting a bit stronger in in the classes you, as anyone knows who does combat sport, if you grow up doing combat sports as a kid, and then you, once you get to 14, 15, 16, you start like sparring men. Yeah. And it, they're quite easy. Like, if they're not experienced, obviously they're not. But in compared to if you fight a beginner man compared to a beginner teenager, they're actually easier because they're a bit slower, they're more yeah. unfit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I realized actually, you know, I'm tall enough, I can actually, you know, navigate myself around mm. some of these beginner men. And I can remember a, t- a turning point that happened. <clears throat> Was at a place called Donington Bonfire, which is notorious in Telford. It's mm. Obviously, once a year, massive bonfire. Um, I think it's tamed down somewhat. They used to like build it sky high for like <laughs> a week before. And no elf and safety. Yeah, no, no elf and safety. You're literally, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. you're burning alive, yeah. stood at the outside uh-huh. of it. Biggest fairs you can imagine, and everyone from all of the different areas in Telford would go. So there'd be loads of trouble though, mm. as teenagers, because there's not much else you can do. Yeah. So um, we went down there with one of my friends called Craig. He also did martial arts. And we were the only ones our age, really, that were doing it to a high level. We both competed like nationally and internationally and done well. So when we were good mates, eventually, we weren't to start with. We'd like, kind of heard of each other. We yeah. thought, who's this guy you think he is? Yeah, then Yeah, yeah. Who's he is? And then we got introduced to each other and we got on best of friends instantly. So we were trading partners and we went out. And there was, we had had a few drinks, like you do. I think mm. like I was 50. In fact, I'll tell you what I was. It was just before my 16th birthday because it's November and I was 16 in December. So I was like, this is probably 18 months after that incident. Mm. And I've been training a lot. I've been sparring with men and stuff. And we'd had a few drinks and was outside this pub, just walking around. We weren't really causing any harm. And some blokes came out of the pub and started trouble with us uh, and came right over to us. And I just remember thinking, I can handle blokes in training. You know what I mean? I thought I'll just... See, I, that I, I wasn't I wasn't too frightened or intimidated yeah. of the situation. He came towards me and I just remember I just hit him and then I just moved away. So I thought he's big and strong, but I, I can move quicker. Yeah. And I got him and then I just did it again, moved in, hit him, moved away. and he, he had no answer to it. I thought, all right. And then I did that a few more times and then he grabbed me with his man strength. I was like, all right, I hadn't accounted for that. And then i just saw him there so i flipping headbutted him as hard as i could and he he went to the floor and i just remember thinking flipping off, just beating a bloke up <laughs> he must have been like in his mid-30s or something <laughs> my mate was shocked and he'd had a bit of an incident with the other guy there but he hadn't had the confidence to mm. do it so we both ran off and obviously we're like no way what's just happened you yeah. just beat a bloke up and was and i was laughing about it and then a couple of hours later we were walking and we were, must have been giving off some certain vibes because we were pumped and we walked past these other two pokes and my mate was pissed off because of what had happened. We hadn't started the trouble mm. either of the times we never did. I never started trouble just so people know mm. I've never been a trouble causer but unfortunately I never walked away. I would just keep myself <laughs> present around the environment until yeah. it went off. Yeah. And Craig, Craig was... Um, with us and he was a bit pissed off because of what had happened and he wanted to do something. These guys just literally barred straight through us. We turned around, we had another scrap with these two men and we won again. I was like, I've just beat two men up in one. And I thought, I'm quite good at this. (laughs) I'm thought i onto something. And that was, things just totally changed and I just totally flipped in my self-image of who I thought I was and what I was able to do. Probably too much. I probably went too much the other way then. Um, But then that was, I was on a committed journey to make myself... The man I knew, I needed to be to survive in the world. Yeah. Had an, I always had an idea of the type of man I wanted to be, and every decision I made was to try and make me that man. So I, I, to take me a step. And when closer. you,
1: when were you the age? What sort of man did you want to be? Strong,
0: confident, fearless. You know, I wanted to be un, un, unable to be it's probably, you know, unable to be affected physically or mentally by anything. You know, yeah. that's what I wanted to do, and you've later discovered that's impossible. Yeah, but that was not what I was. Uh, aiming for at that age I just Mm. want invincibility anything Mm. I could do to make me a bit stronger a bit better uh, a bit tougher I would do no matter what it was I just learned to overcome those fears because you know when your adrenaline goes when you're younger it's Mm. terrifying the first few experiences you just want to avoid it but I was learning to get over that initial fear from doing tournaments I got in loads and loads of fights like all the time then and I was you know I mean I to be fair, I was pretty good at it. You know, yeah. I pretty much managed to win most of them. But, yeah, yeah. well, you know, there might have been a few arguable ones yeah. where no one won. It was a bit of a scuffle with yeah. with the groups. But most of the time, I pretty much managed to come on top. So, how, uh, how,
1: how tall are you today? I'm six foot three. Six foot
0: three. I'm weighing in at... I'm about 110 kilo probably, yeah. yeah. So about 17, 18 stones. Big, mate. Yeah, mate. But I wasn't always. Yeah. I, was, I, was, I fought in the WK World Championships when I was 16 in the minus 64 kilo section. Minus 64? Yeah, and I was sit, bearing in mind I was about six foot one now. Yeah, okay. So like, imagine how skinny yeah, I am. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. At what age, what age did you start putting on proper muscle? When that, oh, when that turned you from being a talented fighter to then being, lifting the weight? Yeah, well, what happened is
0: going down this journey, yeah. I then thought, right, what else can I do? I can fight. But then I'd, I'd, the Falklands Islands incident happened in 1982 there's all documentaries on mm. about the parachute regiment and what the, the paras and the marines did they walked the whole island 70 miles and they did some of the bloodiest battles yeah. that have been since it's uh, the second world war nearly yeah. um and it was really inspirational stuff and i thought Fuck, these guys are superhuman yeah i thought i couldn't do that they wouldn't want to be shot yeah do you know what i mean i wouldn't get my leg blown off mm. and stand on a mind i wouldn't and then I, there was a documentary that came out and you could see the training they went through and i thought that is unbelievable and i thought and then there was part of me then that thought you know, could you do it? Could you do it? And then for years, it was just like, no, I couldn't do that. That's that's just, that's another level. But eventually I, I built myself up to a, a, a position. And also with what, what was going on in Telford, it was a dodgy area. Mm. We're going out, we're getting in scrapes all the time and there was big gangs and I was either going to get pulled into one of them mm. or I was going to end up really, you know, crossing paths with someone that I probably shouldn't have. Yeah. Uh, Would You'd quite often get there the sunday morning flipping political phone call off one of the one of the lads yeah. where one of your mates has beat someone's flipping cousin up and you've got to sort out yeah. what's going to happen you've probably been yeah. there yourself yeah at least people aren't landing on your door because they've got a bit of respect for you like but you know they've been injured they want to go to the police yeah what's going to happen you know sometimes people get paid money don't they mm-hmm. it's like you know as, as a bit of a substitute um and not taking it any further or you'd get um i um People want to straighten it or whatever mm. it was that needed sorted. So you had to navigate those. Mm.
1: Did you find waters. that? Did you find that this was building and building and building as you were getting older? Yeah. More of this was happening. Yeah. You're getting caught in the wrong things. Was there a time you're sitting home going, "You know what? I need to get myself out of Telford." That's
0: exactly what happened. Is
1: that when you were like, "Right, I'm going go yeah. to get the paratroopers." Yeah.
0: There came a tipping point. Yeah. That's exactly right. What you yeah. said there. There came a tipping point where to stay and to do all that. Uh, it was actually easier to go in. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I thought, if I'm going in, I'm set. Sa- I'm sa- it's safe. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. At least like, I know where, at least I know where the direction of threat's coming from. Yeah. Um, and some of my mates have been pulled right, some of the ones I went to school with, they've been pulled right into the gang environment. Mm. And it was a big, ga- I mean, one of the biggest in the UK. Some mm. of those, the, some of the subgroups all joined together to make like a super group, mm-hmm. and we were all right, we were always okay because we went to the same school and we were on the peripheries, though. Yeah. So we knew enough people that we were, we were okay, yeah. and but you're never totally okay because you yeah. don't know everybody. And, and it was such, and a, there's
1: always someone harder than you, yeah, that's it. And there's always someone more prepared to do something more crazy than you, that's, so it. that's the scary thing. And I know, I know. Yeah. but
0: then when you're young, you think, No, you're not, I'm yeah. gonna do the same, I'll do it again, and, and I'll is, double what you're oh, gonna do to yeah, that is not yeah. where you wanna be, is no. it? And I was thinking, Right, I'm just fucking gonna get out of yeah. here. So um, I decided, well, I'm going to go in the parachute regiment. I thought, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to go for it. And then I became obsessed with it. So then I was researching. I mean, you didn't have YouTube back then.
1: Yeah. What I year, did. roughly, are we talking here?
0: So I joined up in 94. So this had, must have been about 92. Because okay. it took me a couple of years to get in. Because you were able to get in about 16 and 10 months at the time. Mm. But... I went to the careers office. It was different back then. You literally went in before they did anything to go right, get on the chin up bar. Yeah. If you can't do ten chin ups, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> like come back, we can do ten chin ups, and I'll talk to you about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, it yeah, was yeah. literally yeah. that's what we did. Yeah. Um, and then so we had to go through all the, the 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 medicals and all this, that, and mm. the others. And they just put me on the scales, and they just went, you, "You're too sli- You're too skinny yeah. for your height weight ratio. So go away, put some weight." I did the chin ups, I think, mm. uh, and then they they sent me home. They said, "Right, put some weight on." Which is more difficult than you think when you're mm. 16. Um, you've got a fast metabolism, you're training all the time. Yeah. So I was just eating loads of Mars bars, mm. just eating whatever I could. Yeah. You know, I had a really big uh, appetite mm. at that age. So it wasn't working that well. I was trying as well. I got on the weights, tried to put a, you know, a bit of weight training mm. on, went down to local gyms. Um, and then I went back to the careers office, but. I put a few pairs, extra pairs of jeans on. I had a tracksuit on. I put stuff in my pockets <laughs> and they got me on the scales. And I, oh, luckily I was just on the weight. where yeah. right, you've made it. I was like, fucking hell. they didn't check me. I'm not yeah, sure yeah. if they knew or not, but I don't, they kind of like it in the military. Yeah. If you, not cheat, but if you really stretch the rules yeah. as much as, as far you can, as you can yeah. just don't get caught. Yeah. They all say- yeah.
1: That's life, that's life, in it? Yeah, of course it is.
0: <laughs> you think the crime is getting caught. If yeah. you get caught, you're in fucking yeah. trouble for getting caught and yeah. say, how did you get caught? It means do whatever you can yeah. to, to get what you want, but just don't get caught. So at that stage, I managed to get in, it was, so I was, that was made up. And how old were you when you got in? So by the time I actually got through it all, um, and it's quite a substantive selection process, yeah. it took about a year as well.
1: And what was that feeling like knowing you're leaving the naughtiness of where you were to go and right, I'm fully focused? Were you thinking, right, I want to go to war? No, did you, did you have that mentality? I want to fight, I want to, or were you thinking, I want to go in and train, I want to be the best? human being I can be.
0: That was more, that was my, there's there's different people go for different reasons. Yeah. You get some that are just really wary bastards and just yeah. want to kill yeah. everyone. Yeah. And that wasn't really me. I was more about, I wanted to make myself into this person. You know what I mean? I wanted to be the best version of myself that mm. I possibly could do. And every decision I had to take, whether it made me feel scared or not, if, if it was going to make me better, I had to do it, mm-hmm. and I couldn't. If I if I if I if I chickened yeah. out in something, my mind would have me yeah. the night and be going, yeah. you know, you, you could you, you buy it, you, you bottle it. it, you bottle it. You, you won't
1: sleep at night. No, no, I agree.
0: And then that that pressure in my own mind yeah. became too, much. too Go, much. All right, I'll fucking <laughs> do <laughs> it. I <laughs> know. <laughs> so so I joined up then and embarked upon what was the hardest seven months of my life. It so was.
1: explain to me, and for the listeners mm. who don't know, explain to me being a paratrooper those seven months what you had to go through yeah. and what was the result at the end of that
0: okay so quite a substantial amount of people go for the parachute regiment Yeah, uh, in fact even now it's one from, of the
1: best regiments out there right it is yeah tough
0: it, it, in the world yeah. when it comes to closing and killing the enemy mm. I don't think there's anyone better in the world that does it yeah. you know what I mean they're, they're that good they support the SAS yeah. in that side of things yeah. obviously the SAS are special forces parachute regiment elite that yeah. means they're infantry but they're the very best at what, yeah. at what they do um, and then you've got um, the SES are specialised in what they do, and it's yeah. a different it's a different process. But yeah. outside of special sur- uh, the special service, the um, the SAS, uh, the parachute regiment is the toughest yeah. regiment to get in with the biggest failure rate. So.
1: Is that right? The biggest failure it. Oh, rate? yeah.
0: Everyone tries to join the... Par- More people join the Parachute Regiment than all the other infantry regiments put together. Right. But most of them don't pass, so they feed through into them. Um, so it's a great recruitment tool for the army as well. And those stats are true because I know people that are at the depot that teach yeah. there now and someone else involved. What
1: made you choose the Parachute Regiment compared to choosing another regiment? Because I
0: wanted to be elite. elite, I wanted to be the best I could be. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and I, I wasn't scared of heights. I actually right. enjoyed stuff like that, and I thought that would really suit me. And I know that they're more aggressive. It's very, very aggressive. Um, even compared to any of the other like elite forces out there, they are extremely aggressive with what they do, but extremely professional. You get to see. There's some stereotypes about the 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 paras. Um, some of them are true, I'm not going to lie, but some of them aren't. They are the most switched on people that I've I've ever met in my life, some of them. So when I embarked upon the journey of going to depot and meeting these, what seemed like to me, super, supermen, they were everything I wanted to be in a man. They were professional. They were hilarious. The training was what I didn't... imagine is how funny it was going to be mm. like it was just hilarious because they were they were beasted everyone no matter what you did what color you were what color your hair was if you had a slightly bigger head you were jughead forever yeah. that like <laughs> would stick with you for 10 years if you had a small head you were yeah. dollhead yeah. like Lots, yeah if you're if you're a little bit um, stupid yeah. you'll be there was one guy they called him mayo ff thick as, fuck. Thick as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and um someone what was it one guy um Messed up his day sack. He was day sack mong forever. Yeah. <laughs> forever. Like it came with him to battalion as well. <laughs> so, and it's just hilarious. And it, you're getting it as well. So you've yeah. got to be quite thick skin. Yeah, yeah, but our yeah. family were, we took the mickey out of ourselves yeah, quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. So, and it, it was be- even better than I expected. I went in there expecting to hate every part of it. Yeah. And I'm not going to lie. I, it's, it was so fucking hard, but it was, it was just about manageable all the time. Yeah. And I didn't want to just go there and just scrape through. I wanted to, Try and be the best as well I, I knew when i first got there like the first two weeks there's so many older guys because i was quite young and they were big fit strong some of these guys were athletes before and we did the first few pt sessions and they were i i was i was in the top 50 percent, mm. maybe top 40 percent, maybe yeah. but there was some that were way ahead and i thought flipping out these yeah. guys are seriously fit within two weeks some of them were gone i'm missing my girlfriend yeah. i'm knackered or they're too scared all the time of what the next. Event and this is.
1: is this is in that seven months period. Yeah, is this is in
0: the first two weeks. Well, this was okay. yeah, yeah. One guy actually turned up with a parachute regiment tattoo on day one. Like, and you don't get that if <laughs> you pass the training. <laughs> That's confidence
1: then, for you. Isn't fucking it? <laughs> hell! He
0: got he left obviously. Yeah. He got absolutely Ripped. hammered by his yeah, staff. I'm sure. We went out. We 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 did it because when it was just before Christmas, we joined up, and then we had two weeks off for Christmas. And then we started from day one again. Yeah. So just extra two weeks piece. And when he come back, he'd had it covered over, but they knew then. Yeah. And he just got har- ham- hammered yeah. consistently until he left. Because mm. um, you have to earn that. Mm. So then the, the training just progressively builds up and up. And then more and more people are dropping off all the time. Um, and then they the numbers got that bad that they mixed us with another platoon. So we did the first 10 weeks. And then we um, started phase two training and uh, we at that point, got mixed with another platoon. So mm. we were 598 platoon, um, and then they mixed us with 599, nine, or it might be the other way around, I can't remember, but in the end, we were 598-9 stroke nine, platoon, which had mixed together, yeah. and that's when things really started to get great then, because you start building up for what's called P Company. So I don't know if you've heard much uh, about the parachute regiment selection and the, uh, the no. actual test. Yeah, yeah, I've had now, a few
1: people. Yeah, I'm really keen to mm. hear more on this.
0: So we'll go over, this is what distinguishes the parachute regiment over the other regiments then. Yeah. So... Because a lot of the infantry stuff that you do is is similar to what the others do. But then you've got the extended training, extra hard PT, and then the selection, which is to, is to basically select the very best of the best. Yeah. The fittest, the strongest, the most aggressive. Um, and the event's called P Company. And it's it's at week 20 now. I can't remember if it was at week 20 when I did it because it changes somewhat. But it's now at week 20. And it's five days long. The four weeks before that, a P Company build-up. So you basically do most of the events beforehand. And some, yeah. do you know what I mean? So you should theoretically be prepared. Um, and then you get to start a P company. So day one, the very first thing you do is a 10 mile tab. Tab? Tab. tab. So that's a 10 miles uh, walk and run. So you got to okay. do, do it at one hour 50. Um, so, and that's with 35 pound on your back, as well as webbing, sorry, not webbing, as well as rifle, um, so, and water. Yeah. So on top of that, this it's, it's quite a considerable mm-hmm. amount more than that. And that's a quick pace. That's the parachute regiment bread and butter. That is ten miles, um, and I think they come in. They come in just under just under that, and then the stragglers come in, yeah. uh, and then they get slightly less points. So you don't know, you don't know how many points you get in your C because when you do P company, you have a whole separate team that assess you. So you have you have your depot staff that take you through. But obviously they're invested in you a little bit. Mm. You don't think that at the time. You think they fucking hate you. Yeah. They think you don't yeah, want yeah, yeah. It. but really they don't. They're just trying to they're trying to um trying to break you. They're trying to break you so yeah. we get rid of all the weak ones because yeah. they only want the best to work with them. So your P company staff are totally um neutral. They've mm. never seen you before. They don't care. You're just another number. You have a number on your helmet. On your front and you refer to by that number that is it you're not there's no emotional connection no well dones yeah. you're never told yeah, well done yeah, yeah, if yeah. you've done well absolutely yeah. not but you're certainly told if you're not doing stuff yeah. well yeah so you know i mean and so you do the 10 miler on the first day followed by that um we did i think it's the Trinasium you do on the next one might get these slightly if, if i'm slightly wrong in the order yeah. so i'm sure someone picked me up yeah. in the comments but i'm pretty sure it was it might not have been this order when i did it but this is what the order is mm. now then you do the Trinasium afterwards, which is an aerial assault course. So this is to see, this is a pass or fail of, uh, event. This is to see if you've got confidence up in heights. So you have to kind of run across a plank of wood, jump a six foot gap, run across another one, punch into a Tarzan and then, uh, net thing. Mm-hmm. Then you have to do an illusion jump. So you have to jump from one point to another. Uh, and because one point's higher than the other, you jump in. You're jumping down. So you look, it looks like you can't make it, but because you've got the downward yeah. momentum as well, you actually go further than you think and you okay. make it. That's like that's a pretty tricky one. Yeah. But the the main one's called the, the shuffle bars, and that's 66 foot up in the air, and you just literally need to stand on them like that, shuffle your way across. They, they actually had it on the SESU days yeah, the other so day. Yeah, Did yeah, you watch yeah. this? Yeah. That's it. That's a parachute regiment, one off yeah. the Trinasium yeah. You touch your toes, stand back up, say your name, rank, and number you might do that at the start shout it confidently yeah. no messing about yeah. and then you step over these two little points that are on the bars make your way to the end all with confidence you can't be messing about up there looking scared yeah. not allowed to show any fear any hesitation you'll just be sent back up there again and if you don't do it well enough you can fail and you're just off P company is that right? yep you it's... just failed the event pass or fail that I one because you're going to jump out of planes aren't you? Yeah, if you can't right. you need... that yeah, yeah. <laughs> So that's day one. Mm. <laughs> day day two then um, is the log run. Now that is a horrible event. So the log run is you big telegraph pole. I think there's eight of you on it. Can't remember. It might be slightly different numbers. And you've got these goggle, um, these ropes that you basically put your hands through, grab hold of it. Um, so there's one of you each side on each rope, and then there's there's a few of you there, and it's a sprint. You have you got your helmet on as well. You've got webbing, um, and I can't even remember if you've got your rifle slinged or not on that one. I don't think you do. But you've got this fucking log anyway, yeah. fully <laughs> That's up enough. Out. And you have to sprint with it, and it's not flat. It's mm. like up, down, up and down, really arduous kind of terrain, uh, through puddles, uh, up big. You're literally on your fingernails to get up some parts of it. And you have to have, when you do it, you've got to have your hand. It needs to be. Behind you, so you're pulling the log. Yeah. If it's level with you, you're not adding to the pulling the log. And yeah. if the hand is in front of you, then basically you're adding to the weight of the log. So you'll get chalked off. they'll just chalk, yeah. boom. As soon as your arm is 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 not behind you, and you're adding you're not adding to the mm. to the the pulling of the log, you get chalked. You get two chalks, third one, you're off the event, you failed that event. So that's the log run, and, and then, how
1: long was that? How long was the log run? That for?
0: is about just under two miles, I think. So It's okay. about 15, 20 minutes. I can't remember how long it takes, but it feels like forever. Yeah, and it's na- as soon as you start, it's fucking nails. You're like, oh my what, god! What straight away you're straight like, Jesus away. Christ, okay? And the warm ups are horrendous anyway. You're yeah. nervous energy, and you're getting nothing. To back off, anyone. No one's going. Come on, lads, you can do it. Like, <laughs> you're getting nothing.
1: They are not. Are just- you clocking other people going? I don't care about you. I want to beat you. The other people in there. Yeah. Is it well, competition as well? Do you feel of like you're competing? Like- there
0: is, but that is a team event that once. So there's okay. a couple of team events, and what they want to see is that you are doing. If you're stronger, do more than everyone else. Right, okay. They don't, it's not about, you know, uh, you can't do the log on an individual basis because what happens is as you're doing it, you no know one very rarely does everybody finish on the log. Say mm. if there's eight of you on there, can't remember the exact numbers, I think it's eight and two of you have got chalked off you have six of you carrying that right, log okay. in some cases there are three people yeah. or two people on the log and the ds the staff are jumping on it as well so those guys who get to the end with two or three of them on the log they're going to score more points yeah. because that's what a paratrooper is about digging in and giving more yeah. if you've got it um, you know if you've got more do more because yeah. you could be saving somebody's life mm. uh, i think it's to simulate moving ammunition like at speed yeah so there's that event. That's the second day in the morning. And then in the afternoon, you do what's called the steeplechase, which is, I think it's 1.8 miles. That is done in um, helmet, boots. I can't remember if you've got webbing or not, or that, or, or some, I don't know if you've got webbing on for that one. Um, but it's you don't need it. You're jumping into puddles, you're breaking the ice when it's winter, like it, you know.
1: You're saying puddles? Oh, puddle, yeah, puddle for me is I walk oh. my, my dog through a little bit. You're talking? No, no.
0: Oh yeah. So like waist length. Yeah. Okay. So it's like water obstacles. So you'll, you'll climb over like a I don't know, climb over something, jump in the water, yeah. run around it. So you're soaked. Yeah. Okay. And then it's you're going through all the different terrains, and then there's an assault course at the end to finish. Right. So and you've got um I think you've got to do it in 18 minutes or something like that and it's and one. And it's still 9. on the second day. This is on the second okay. day. Okay. But cuz the log absolutely expends all your energy, like sometimes that can catch people out because you're just depleted totally at that
1: point. And you can't show any weakness about once like, no, you never. finish, you lay on the floor, oh, no, no, there's no, none no of that. You got to keep standing stand walking, up, yep.
0: Head up, hands behind your back. Yep. You can't bend over or ask for a drink yep. or, or show any weakness or, you know, look out of breath. You have yep. to stand there solid, you
1: know. you know wants- you're saying like it's a team, it's a team part of that. Do you think are you look at your mates going I'm fitter than you. Yeah, oh, 100%.
0: That's the only reason I got through it, because I knew at that point, getting towards P Company, I was one of the fitter ones. Um, So I knew I was in the top echelon of fitness, when it got right in the very top. So I thought, fucking someone's got to pass. Yeah. That's the way I was thinking about it. But then you've got your demons in your mind that don't, like they never, at that stage when I was younger, because I hadn't done anything substantial, they were quite negative, as they are for a lot of people, until you've consistently done lots of positive things that are big and out of your comfort zone, your internal dialogue flips a bit then. Like mine's quite different now. Mm. You know, mine's quite positive. It's Mm. like, you fucking do this, come on, let's do it. No problem, you got this, you can just smash it. When it it wasn't like that then, it was quite a lot of demons I was fighting at that stage. So that was the hardest battle. And it can be the downfall for a lot of people that certainly can because um, when you get to P Company, everyone's injured. Let's be honest, like you're doing some horrendous training. Most people are carrying some type of an injury um, you don't sleep because you're shitting yourself. <laughs> All you hear is these horror stories yeah. about it. So <laughs> someone's like, you get up for the first day of P company, oh, I haven't slept. All right? And it, it, right? it's, it's in some people's minds then, on I mean, my ankle's bad. right? So fucking what? Yeah. No matter what happens, you've got to be able to perform when everything goes wrong. And this is one important lesson that I've learned. What can go wrong will go wrong. Yeah. And you have to factor that into anything in life if you want to succeed. Mm. You have to overcome all the adversity, all the negative, all the things that are going to go wrong and still do it, mm. even on your worst day. Mm. Um, so the chase that finishes, that's day two. Day three is what's called the two miler. Uh, so that is full kit. Uh, again, I can't remember the, the full weight, but you've got your weapon, you've got a uh, day second, I think you've got a day second webbing on, helmet. I think you might even have body armor as well and your weapon. Mm. And that is just like a flipping sprint for two miles um as fast as you can in boots and I think that's about eighteen minutes. But that doesn't sound that fast. But when you're loaded, it's not flat. You're going up and down the terrain is a lot of it's just flipping, yep. you know, uphill at some points as well. Uh, and you've got to get in under the eight minutes to get the, you know, to get the full point. How many
1: how many kg extra are you carrying on you roughly would you say? On something like that. So I can visualize it in my head. listen to I like
0: I can't remember in kilograms, but it was like about, if you
1: added it all up, are you talking another ten, fifteen kg? What with with your gun, with your helmet, with oh, your yeah, backpack, with yeah. everything? F-
0: oh yeah, all that's d- definitely adding up to, to to probably somewhere around that. Yeah, I don't work in kilograms. I'm old school still. Yeah. I, I it was all. In, in, I think they work it more in kilograms now, but it was all pounds, pounds. when I was.
1: Double it. So like, f- yeah, thirty pound. Thirty. Well, pounds your, pound.
0: your your bergen would be thirty five pound. That's okay. Just your bergen, and then you've got your weapon, and then you have your water. So you normally have two water bottles, right, so, okay. and they're they're heavy. Do you know what I mean? So whatever any water you've got and your um, or any food that's in there. So as
1: north well. of forty pound, forty fifty pounds, 45 pounds oh, oh, About pound.
0: 50 I think. Some lamb, maybe even more. Wow. I think the weapon's about nine pound. Wow. Again, don't quote me on all the all, all, So all if the, you
1: put a training vest on, it's a ten kg and you're doing pull ups, you can feel that. that yeah. What you're doing it with that. is pretty much double triple that
0: yeah that's it it really <laughs> makes and you've got boots on yeah yes yeah, so you got boots on and you're totally depleted at this stage you're not yeah. like you're not the best version of yourself yeah. like they build you up to but what they're doing is they're absolutely you're, you're fucking exhausted by the time you get to start these tests Yeah, and then you've got to perform so like I said you know it's alright being an athlete when everything's stacked in your favor. Yeah. Being a soldier and being a paratrooper is not like being an athlete. And some yeah. of the athletes fall short mm. because they're not getting all the sleep they need. They're not getting perfect nutrition. Yeah. They're not getting everything stacked up in their favor and a little massage and loads of positive reinforcements <laughs> yeah. before you get, you're getting none of that. Everything's shit. Yeah. Everything's bad. And then you've still got to perform. Yeah. So yeah, day day three then was the, the two miler. Then we go on to day four, uh, which is the 20-miler. Mm. Okay, so that's quite a, a long one. So we look going to the endurance phase then. So you do 20 miles with all your full kit again mm. uh, over arduous trains like big, not mountains and such, but like big hills. Mm. Um, that's got to be done in four and a half hours. So it's pretty fast-paced, to be fair. I think the Marines do 30 miles in eight hours. Mm. So we're doing... 20 miles in four and a half hours so you can get an idea of the pace theirs is still cheeky as well though. i'm not trying to compare in any way because they are good lads but um it's a different it's a different event and that is a fairly quick pace for such a long journey but it's fucking boring and your demons can come out at that stage and if you've got any little
1: niggling injuries you can really feel
0: everything they're going to bring it what's the
1: most annoying niggle injuries actually on your feet do you think so, in, your, in
0: your boot? Yeah, so I had I had all sorts. I my, I, my ankles, I used to always go over on my ankles. Yeah. So uh, that was that was a nightmare. And blisters, like if you haven't got They're blisters. a pain in
1: the arse, aren't they? Blisters, and if you haven't got geez. a blister by
0: that one, yeah. you, you definitely got one yeah. by the end of it. So that's with your full weight as well. Uh, you, you cut around on that one, you finish that event, and that's all you do. There's that one event for that mm. day. Then you have the last day. So this is the, the pinnacle day.
1: So this is day coming to day five now? Day five, okay. the very
0: last day. They've changed the order somewhat now from when I did it. So what they do now, the log, uh, the stretcher run. So the stretcher race is a brilliant event. It's probably one of my favorite events mm. on P Company for me. It's one of the hardest, I'd say. It's a team event as well. So you have a big stretcher. I think that's about £180, something around those. It might be again. It's about the weight of a bloke, yeah. basically, a normal yeah. bloke. Uh, and it's to simulate moving a casualty off the battlefield. And you have, eight, I think you're in teams of like 12 or 16. I can't remember the exact numbers. So four of you at a time are on this stretcher. And again, um, you've got your helmet on, you've got your boots. I think you've got your weapons. You might even have webbing and uh, weapons on this one. I can't remember exactly. Uh, again, someone, I'm sure, will put in, in mm. the comments the exact amounts. <clears throat> and you're running with this stretcher, sprinting. And it's the same terrain as the log's on, but this is five miles, this. So four of you at a time. The, the rest of your group is running next to you. And they are, it's a sprint. Everything you've got, then the DS shall change. Then the next four come on, they're fresh and they just fuck okay. off with the stretcher.
1: And you got to follow them. And
0: the hardest thing is then you've given everything <laughs> is staying with that stretcher. You're like, what? They're just gone. <laughs> like, And people just end up falling back and yeah. they get chalked off and then they're off the event. Just, even on day five yeah you still get oh, chalked mate. off you're can, you can, wow. you not free you're yeah. not done until you've crossed the finish line so you've got to be
1: mentally yeah.
0: mentally mentally tough because you can drop at any stage yeah. you know, and you're going to have an injury like I've said all your injuries are going to be out on yeah. this point aren't they so you've got to overcome all this kind of uh, adversity because that
1: exertion you're giving out when you're giving everything with the stretcher yeah. and you're like I'm oh, fucked my oh, god yeah. drop go and now they're sprinting because they've got the energy and you're following and chasing them Exactly, and then how by, long is that going for? So it's five miles. So I can't
0: remember actually how how long it will be, but it's f- over an hour. Yeah, it's fucking long. Yeah. and it's hard. Um, and then toward the last couple of miles, it all goes to ratchet because you're not in your fours. People have been choked off, and I you just stay on. Like, give. I always say, if you've got more, give more, yeah, and that's okay. what they want to see. Don't think, oh, it's unfair. Like I've already been on the stretcher. Mm. They're not looking for that. They're looking for someone who's going to give selflessly. Uh, and it's a good way of thinking for life as well. This yeah. is it really just set you up, and there's a, a reason why they do it. So, and then it just you just stay on, it, you just grizz it out, and I can remember you just see the finish line. And for me, when I did it, that was the very last event of the of the of the of the P company. But they change the events now. So, and just saw the end, and I got to the end. And I was like, oh, fucking i finished? Hopefully, yeah. I passed because yeah. the last event of the day is P company. Uh, sorry, is milling. Mm. So, if you don't if you heard of that no. before, milling is when you fight for one minute. 16-ounce te- uh, gloves on. You have, Okay, you have headguards on? You do now, Yet You, you yeah. have headguards. Um, it's all sanctioned under boxing, you see. 16-ounce yeah. gloves. Um, I don't, we didn't have headguards when we did. It's changed. It's still hard. It doesn't make yeah. a difference. Yeah. And you've got one minute of pure aggression. You're not allowed to block. You're not allowed to hit to the body, only to the face. You must go forward and you're not allowed to stop punching. You must give everything you've got in every punch and they match you well. Yeah. And they can they do grudge matches as well. So if you've got someone you want to mill, then and they can get you to like to mill Um and if you win if, if you do too well at it, they can put you in against, you know, other people. Some people mill twice if the yeah. numbers are odd. So fucking what? Happens in life. Life's unfair, get used to it, say thank you. Yes. Do you know what I mean? That is all you get getting. Is that all you get? Yeah, that's all getting. <laughs> you get You're aren't you lucky? No. Well done. You get to do it twice. <laughs> so um you got a minute and you go toe to toe. And this is what another event that really distinguishes the parachute regiment because right you've got to go for it full on aggression one minute and it's the very last event of, of for now this is the very yeah. last event and the only thing stopping you from passing is the person in front of you yeah. and they get you all psyched up first shouting at each other sla- slapping I'm sure you're slapped I'm not sure you officially allowed to slap yeah. each other you don't <laughs> slap each other if anyone's <laughs> watching you shout you're screaming yeah, yeah, you're in yeah, each yeah. other's face they're getting you rolled up um, and then um, you're shouting and screaming they're playing Ride of the Valkyries the Parachute Regiment song full blast and you know you're near the finish oh, and the fights are brilliant they just go yeah. for it there's like you bloody noses and yeah. people getting like knocked out. It's 16 ounce gloves. are yeah, yeah. big, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, Do you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? So people are getting stuck into each other, but what they want to see is controlled aggression. Mm. They don't want to see someone just going off their nut yeah. and then like not you can't pull them off them yeah, and then yeah, start eating yeah. everyone around them. In and them. Yeah, like <laughs> you've got it. They literally yeah. go... Uh, mill or box whatever the command is yeah. to go and then they go stop and when they say stop you immediately pull back spring to attention and stop everything no emotion you can't be showing like, like you have to be like passive you have to go from fucking psychotic yeah. to passive in an instant <laughs> do you know what I mean so Quality. so and it's good it's because that's what it's like as a soldier yeah. you've got to be able to discipline ultimately you've got to be able to apply extreme violence in an instant Yeah, and then you might have to pull back and administer first aid to a child. So you can't be like, you've got to be able to pull yourself in one state and into another. Right. So you need to be an absolute master of your own emotions. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. In order to be able to do that. So that's the last event then, uh, the million. And that's great fun. And everyone comes to, all the staff go and watch that. Yeah. They're having little bets and that. <laughs> if someone thought they were hard throughout training, you better add be because you're going to get fucking found out now. <laughs> and there's there might be a few handbags in there yeah. as well that, the, yeah. and that they were... That, um, that they're shocked yeah. about, or there might be some dark horses. There's normally some dark yeah. horses that yeah, are quiet, yeah. and they're filling, you know, they're filling the guys in. Yeah. So it's good, and it's all fun. Um, and it's skins versus tops, so one has the top off, the yeah. other one doesn't. Yeah. And that's the last event, and then you go on the square, and then you find out if you pass because not everyone passes. You can get all the way. Oh, to so the you can end. get
1: there and do that, and yeah. still find that you might not pass. Yeah,
0: yeah the, like the pass rate and the wow. failure rate is like surprising. Yeah, um, i have speaking to people now. I mean, can't remember what the pass or fail rate was at that stage because you're losing people all the way through. Mm. I think about 70 or 80% of ours passed, which is quite yeah. high. But I've spoke to someone recently, and there were like 50% of the guys that right. had started
1: P Company. Uh, had actually, and how many people started with you? I can't remember. Roughly. That number's like, are, we now. Talking, are we talking 100? Are we talking fifties? Are we talking 20 people? No, we were quite undermanned at that yeah, stage. Okay. We were quite
0: smaller groups. Yeah. There was no wars on or anything. Yeah. Um, so it was quite um, uh, it was quite undermanned. Uh, we were low in star- I can't remember how many started, but from the original group that started with us, Um, there's probably about eight or nine that passed all the way through. Um, And then obviously, bearing in mind, people are joined from other platoons Mm. and stuff as well. I can't remember how we started, 40, 50, something like that. Uh, And then others jumping in all the way through. So they're they're not very good odds, to be honest with you. So you go on the square and then they'll go, shout your name out. They'll say, pass. Brilliant. Stand to attention. No emotions. You can't go, yay. Or like start clapping, you'll get fucked, yeah. that'll turn that into a fail, I'm pretty sure, you have to, emotionless, and if you fail, fail, you're not allowed to go, oh, fuck, yeah. you know, you have to, just nothing, you have to, I can't remember what you do, I think you stand to attention, turn to your right, fucking march yourself off, go in the in the loser's corner, away from everybody else, and they they, they hold them away, then they stay away, and they're watching, while everyone else there gets presented their berries,
1: wow.
0: so it's pretty hard, wow, pretty is- harsh. That's quality to hear.
1: What's the movement after that then? So, where are you
0: based? Where did you go? It's at Catrick. So the depots. Where's Cat- that? That is up north. Yeah. Well, everything's up north up for north, you, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so uh, Catrick. It's... Major city near it? Uh, Darlington. Heard of that one? Okay. That's another problem. You're know, from up north, isn't it? way north. up north. <laughs> up north, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So when you're,
1: when you're there then, are you then waiting to go on tour? When did you first go on your first tour and where was it? so
0: you basically we passed out we did all the live firing all the really good soldiery stuff after that all the yes. exercises live firing um pass out went to your battalion i went to three para in the summer of 95 um, it was uh, we were based at dover so that was yeah. that was great it was on what's was called the amfl role at the time so yeah. we we're arctic warfare training uh the the main other two one and two para at the time we were five airborne brigade in aldershot yeah <clears throat> so they do whatever the brigade are doing we're out a brigade role, so we were doing um yeah. Once a year, we'd go to Norway and we did three months in Norway, learning to soldier in the snow, which is fucking hard going. To be fair, um, it's just shit and cold, isn't it? Yeah, you know I mean, um, soldiering is pretty shit and horrible, but you after a bit you start learning to enjoy, love it, especially as a okay. paratrooper. Do you know what I mean? You can't be moaning about stuff. You yeah. have to like take pride in the fact that what we do is shit and hard. No one wants to do it. Yeah. Um, and after a bit, you just think, actually, it's just shitting hard, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. You, know, you know what I mean? <laughs> but it is, you're brainwashed. You're like, yeah, this is great, this isn't is it? This is great. Yeah, we've got yeah. the worst barracks out of everyone. Yeah. You know, we've got no heat. I mean, we had no hot water the whole time we were in Dover in support company. We'd come back and we'd have to have cold showers. Oh, and they tried to put the, the immigrants, you know, those are like a lot of immigration over yeah. in Dover, and they went to put them into the block and they wouldn't go because it, was, it wasn't uh, fit for humans to to, to but, live in
1: but you lot were in there we are in there for
0: years yeah, <laughs> yeah for years so um, yeah. so we don't mind and the sergeant majors and that, that don't mind It keeps the blokes keeps them raw and yeah. like ready doesn't it you don't want them comfortable yeah. you know don't want things too easy for them <laughs> So we did our first tour in Northern Ireland. I think it was about 97 in the Ardoin. So it was getting towards the end when the peace process was on. So there wasn't too much going on then. Still great though. You were actually experiencing going on the ground. There's still a lot of hostility. Um, no contacts or anything at that point because there was the ceasefire had just started. But you're loads of kickoffs and that. People trying to flip in, get pissed and try to take your weapon off you or whatever. Yeah, okay. So you, you had to like, was patrolling down the streets and it could be like, you're being bricks. So there might, you might only see... Two or three of you in yours, and in the other street there might be another three or so yeah. people. But there might be three of you, and you're walking down a nightclub, kicking out time. You probably shouldn't have done that. Yeah, but we did because yeah. we want we want to see what's going on, don't you? Let's yeah, see yeah. we can push the, some push situations button, yeah. to happen. <laughs> you know, we're not starting it, but flipping out, they so everyone's pissed. They're all coming out, fucking everyone hates you. Yeah, so you, you just have to look hard, look like you're not bothered by anything, even though you fucking your heart's yeah. like that, yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was fun. That was a good little taste, test tester. then. Um, all the Balkans stuff, uh, Balkans it, uh, stuff started happening in Kosovo.
1: Um, so you were so you were in Ireland. How long were you in Ireland for? It was a six-month tour, but yeah. it got cut short. We ended four. Okay. And yeah. what sort of hostility was it towards
0: you? It was just, it was quite weird, actually, because you'd go down some of the the streets when you're patrolling you have to kind of you have to know all the players are it's quite it's really enjoyable because it's you know you get briefed up you'll see pictures of everyone Go, these are the IRA that's all their associates are and you're going on the floor and you're just basically trying to track movements at that stage of we've seen so and so he was with so and so and they were there and then you track that down and they can get they can create an intelligence picture and they're just trying to join the dots then so if something happens they know that these guys have been seen together and they might be planning something so uh, that was enjoyable uh, for that side of things to actually mm. put your, your your job into practice but there was no real uh, major like threat of, I was saying there's no they're always a threat of life because if they could get your weapon off you they they would yeah. Do you know not be I mean, paratroopers they're mm. not very liked over in northern ireland mm. with what happened with uh, uh, bloody monday uh, bloody sunday bloody obviously sunday, yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: So what was your movement then? Did, they, did they, you come back? You didn't really need to decompress from something like that, nah, did you? Not really. it was like, yeah. Were you at that point where you're going, I'm really hungry now, get me to another country? So, yeah,
0: we enjoyed that. So then we came back, we did loads of stuff. There was a way all over the place. We went to Canada multiple times just for training exercises. Yeah. That's brilliant. I loved it as a young man. Did adventure training in the Rockies. Then we went and did R&R in some of the big cities like Van- uh, Vancouver and Edmonton. Yeah. So it was great as a young man because they just loved you over there, didn't they? Yeah. Because you're British. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: so we did all that and then Kosovo kicked off in 99. Uh, I'd just been made, I'd done my junior NCO, so I was a, I was a Lance Corporal at that point. Um, trained up a bit P to be a PTI, which I got onto afterwards. So we went to Kosovo and we were spearhead. Where is Kosovo? So... It's in the kind of, in the Balkans area, mm. uh, basically. So, Yugos, former Yugoslavia, all, okay, that, all yeah. that, all around that yeah, area. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Bosnia. It's all in and around that yeah. kind of area, and all there was all sorts of um, instability, wasn't there, going on at that mm. stage? And there was ethnic cleansing going on, basically. With it was the Serbs with the local Muslim populations, yeah. Yeah. and they were horrendous what they were doing. I mean, when we went over there. When I didn't really know when I was young what was going on, I yeah. just got sent there, and then you learn as you as you're going over. Um, but they were ethnically cleansing. All the police, the police would arrest people, um, and you'd, they'd never be seen again. They'd be tortured. We actually stayed one of the times. We were staying in like a blown up, um, a blow. Oh no, not a blown up, but a whole old abandoned school. Mm. So we're just making our own showers out of. Hose pipes and Coca-Cola bottles to cut off and, yeah. you know, so we're like adapted. It was great though. You yeah. made your own little bed space up, got comfortable for the yeah. time, went out on patrols from there. And then we stayed in this old abandoned police station for a few days. I'd say that's the only time I've ever been spooked by anything. So I'm not really spooked, but downstairs in in the police station was a torture chamber. So, uh, and we'd seen loads of mass graves and pff, there was like dead bodies everywhere when we got there. Um, old families, whole families had been executed, kids, old people, um, the kneecapped first, you know what I mean? So, and we we're all experiencing this because we were broken off. We were with one para and a company of three para had, had gone in. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so it was, it was horrendous. But in this police station, there was a, there was pictures of all the people that they'd captured so the police had arrested these people and they took pictures of them all fucking hell you want to say, they looked sad they obviously knew they were not coming yeah. back from that again and there was a, just remember there's a mattress on the floor blood stained mm. there's machetes blood stained mm. johnny's all over the floor used and just think you out jesus and i, I and <clears throat> i went for a, like a run because it was like i went for a run up and down the stairs it was mm. about seven stories high. Mm. i can't remember what it was and i was just like running up and down it and it started to get dark and this got dark. I thought, fucking hell, this is a bit creepy. If anywhere is going to be haunted, fucking it's this here. This place, yeah. Yeah, do you know what I mean? <laughs> but before we even, an interesting story about Kosovo, which a lot of people don't know about. Before we before we even got into the place, um, we were on. We were getting sent over. We're on the border of Macedonia. So the parachute regiment, which was one parrot, a company of three parrot, got, we were spearheading the whole of NATO. So we were the spearhead for NATO. Uh, because they know if shit's going down yeah. you're sending the paris in first yeah and it w- was going to be hostile they thought to start with in the end it what it wasn't that bad because a lot of the serbs just all fucked off when they seen us mm. We patrolled straight over to their some of their uh, positions and that they were having none of it yeah. we're trying to like we're try- <laughs> trying to instigate some fucking violence that we we're all, all ready for um but they, they knew not to fuck with us yeah so we were on the border of macedonia and my brother was actually in one power at the time he's an officer so I could, um, he was an officer in Wanpara. Just got to Power. so I went and I had a brew with him. We're sat in Macedonia, have been a week or two, mm-hmm. where they're doing all the logistics and you are bombing up, you're getting your ammunition, you're getting your briefs. Um, and when we were there, they said, right, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go over, we're gonna go into Pristina Airport first of all, make sure we've got that and we've secured it. Uh, and we were waiting to get the the um, orders to go over, and then all of a sudden, oh, sh- hell broke loose, um, and they said and we got our orders from all the head shed and they said the russians are airborne their paratroopers are airborne and they're on the way to pristina airport oh, so nice. that the sneaky russians yeah. not the like yeah, not yeah. part of nato yeah but they wanted to be on the ground to kind of be involved in the peacekeeping because they were they were friends with the serbs yeah so they just wanted to make sure that they were there um, and they've said right you're going to go in so you're going to go in and they're going to be already landed by the time you get there. But we've got to like we're going to land on the on the runway. You can't go off the runway though because it's mined everywhere. Yeah. Like, and you're going to have a massive like face off with the Russians. Well, then we really gave us orders. With what you know? We thought are we going to shoot them? Are they going to shoot us? We're just going to go off and have a face off with the Russians. Yeah. I just this doesn't happen with paratroopers. Yeah. Like they are wary bastards. Yeah. They are not going there to do any type of, uh, you know, bravado. They're going yeah. in there for the business. Yeah. So I thought our guys are not, they're going to go and they're just going to, someone crazy bastard is just going to send some rounds down. It's going to go off. And they knew that. And I think it was General Jackson who was a para, former, he's a paratrooper, he's the general in charge of the army at the time. He knew what the paras are like and he said, I'm not going to be responsible for World War III. Yeah. And they just sacked it all at the last minute. So all the Chinooks were there. They're all on, like loads of them. I've never seen anything like it. People running around, bombed up for It is it, lads. We're going in now against the Russians. Thought, oh my God. And I remember it was 1999, wasn't it? And I think Notre Dame had predicted the end of the world. Then yeah. I thought, oh shit, maybe he's right. <laughs> I'm not going to be the instigator. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, it all got sacked last minute. They let the, the Russians went in and then we went in afterwards on vehicles. Hmm. Um, and then they were there. And they were fucking idiots mm. and they were drunk on patrols they hadn't been paid for a bit their morale was down and they would like drive the tanks towards you then move at the last minute and we wouldn't move yeah. Like so when you're on patrol it was more like where yeah, the russians yeah. Like let's go find the russians <laughs> <laughs> so it did keep you on your toes though It was crazy how long were you how long
1: were you in kosovo for
0: two months went in there did the business Got and then out. they sent all the other regiments in then afterwards yeah. to kind of uh, take over um how
1: not, old were you at this point
0: I think i was about t- early 20s 22 something like okay. 23 and you were maybe. game oh yeah that was fucking brilliant yeah. oh, you well game at that stage yeah like by the time you've been when you, you don't join to go to war but when you're in there and you're trained you want it's you want to try your skills out then it's like training your martial arts and not fighting yeah or being a firefighter just drilling and never yeah. putting a fire out yeah so what was your
1: movement when you come back from Kosovo survival
0: so i was then a i was i was qualified as a pti so i then went to the the depot to train the recruits. Um and that was brilliant. So I did that for about a year before I got out then. So I was in my mid-20s. Got out when I was about twenty and what, just before I was twenty-six.
1: What made you go right I've, I've done now, I've done that bit. It's the next chapter of my life.
0: Well that's a good question because I've been on two operations. Um I'd become a junior NCO and I've been a bit PTI and they were the main boxes that I wanted to tick. I really wanted to do that. Um and there didn't seem like much more was happening I thought, because it was it wasn't really that turbulent of a time, to be honest with you. And I thought, are we going to get a couple of little, maybe booksy missions that are like this? Yeah. Uh, so I got out, I, got, I was married and had a kid on the way. So, And I also had the opportunity to start teaching martial arts because I started training with some people. Started fighting again while I was in and was doing really well. Um, and then I had the opportunity to to start teaching because people were starting to teach martial arts professionally at that stage. And before that was unheard of. But all these gurus are coming over from America. That's right. Multi millionaires. That's and like, right. Like, yeah, so wow. early two thousands this was Early two thousands. Because that yeah.
1: MMA wasn't even t- wasn't talked around about.
0: then, yeah. If it had been, I would have I would have just liked to have fought. Yeah. And just got paid for it like you could now. Yeah. But ultimately I just wanted to fight. But um teaching was you had to teach to make money. And I just remembered I needed enough money to pay for my... I got a mortgage before I got out because mm. I knew that once I'd got out, I was self-employed. You need like two yeah. years, books or whatever. Yeah. So while I was in the army, they didn't know I'd signed off. Got the mortgage. So brilliant, sorted. Yeah. Now I just need to be able to pay for it. Yeah. So I needed about 50 students, I think. So um, I think I had about... I, said I needed 50 and I think I had about three or four months off where I was paid by the army and... I wasn't actually having to do anything. So I thought, right, that gives me the time to build it all up. And I'd done it. I'd got about 150 students at that stage. So I was already earning more than I was earning in the army. So, and I was like, oh, that's all I wanted. I didn't do it for money. All I wanted to do was pay enough so I could be out of the military then, support my family with what I was doing. And I never had any money. So Mm. I wasn't... Bothered about money. I just wanted to fight. That's all I wanted to do. Mm. And with the mindset I'd got and the person that I'd now become, that level of discipline and commitment and obsession that I had towards something, I just applied that straight into my fighting. But then also into my business, I was getting coached and mentored by people. about how to make you know a what you're doing into a proper living? Yeah. And I was like, because I'd never come from money. I mm. was that. I lived in council estates, mm. didn't I? Um. So. It wasn't a priority of mine, but then someone told me you can make money, and yeah. I thought, okay, all right. Then how do I do that? Because I'm a traditional like I'm into martial arts. I don't want to, like lose my uh, integrity, you mm-hmm. know. Because I don't want to just make it into something that's a, a money making uh, machine. I want to be able to do what I've done with the same value and ethos that I have as a person from my military background, and that's where my organisation was spawned, which is called British Military
1: Martial Arts. Is the British military martial arts? Is that what you set up back then, and grown over the last twenty That's years? That's right. Yeah, it wasn't called that then. Yeah,
0: I've rebranded since. and made yeah. it that it was. Um, it was just myself starting off.
1: We're in the early 2000s? We had Mike Bisping on.
0: Oh yeah, Mike yeah. Oh,
1: on. we had a right laugh. Proper yeah, good bloke. Him. Proper good bloke. But he was saying, it was like it pretty much like yourself, tough lad from up north Manchester way. He didn't know nothing about MMA. All of a sudden, MMA come on the scene. He was like. I want a piece of this. Yeah, I'm a good fighter. I win all my fights. Give me a piece of this, and end up going out in America. Now look at him now, like multi-millionaire oh, yeah, and done what he's him. done. Was there ever a period, like in the UK, it wasn't really about? Was there ever a period you go, I fancy a bit of this mixed martial arts, or was that not your bag? Was the British uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu not your bag, or were you, what were you thinking at that time?
0: So what had happened? It's a good question. I actually did Brazilian Jiu Jitsu for a few years uh, when it started, when it first came over. Yeah, it's like in the in the uh, well. Yeah, probably the early two thousands. Yeah. It probably might have been over before that, but it wasn't still wasn't that mainstream right. at this stage. It was a guy called Brolio Estima. So I'm still in contact with him. He's actually forwarded my book. Mm. Um he's a really, a really good guy, and he's probably one of the very best um in the UK. He's quite well known. So I did that with him for a few years. And I was but MMA wasn't really
1: think, big really, then. It wasn't yeah. big. Yeah, 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 And I
0: was by the time it got bigger, I was like twenty eight. And I thought, you know, I, and I had, had contemplated it but i was a bit too far down my current avenue yeah, okay. to, to kind of and that was pure kickboxing just kickboxing okay. yeah and i've done various parts of points continuous and full contact and i've won uh titles in all of them um british european and world titles so that was my thing striking that's amazing by yeah the way. thank you very much mate so
1: you know when you're you're we're all on our own journey you're on your journey yeah bigger better one more da-da-da. actually sometimes to stop and reflect and go i was a world champion yeah that's pretty cool right well it is you
0: know what though and it's not until recently now i've, I've looked back and actually gave myself some credit for yeah. stuff because i never did because I'll, I'll tell you why with a lot of what i did was mat sports mm. you know what mat sports is mm. where you do where you fight on a mat and it's yep. like a draw sheet a tournament yep. so if you win you go to the next round if you lose you're out so you, i'd go to, you'd fight in events and bearing in mind every friends. We we fought for Great Britain. I was on the Great Britain squad, mm. um, the Whacker Great Britain squad for 10, maybe even 12 years with the very best in the world. These guys are out. Everyone's outstanding. So you're not special. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And then you, you fight, you win. It's only the winner doesn't lose a fight in that event. Okay. And then I wouldn't fight in one event. I'd fight in two events. I'd fight my minus 94s, plus 94s. Then I'd fight in the open weight. The Open weight is all of the people from all of the weights in points they can do this, you yeah. see. Um, you can't do it in light contact or full. Mm. Uh, then you would, you would all of those would fight in that as well, so only one person would win out of that. And then I'd fight in a team event, so it'd have loads and loads of i have Probably done, I, I haven't worked it out properly, but probably about six or seven in 600 or 700 individual actual fights.
1: Have you had 600? Yeah, pro-
0: probably. Because if you think about the tournaments, for all the years, we'd fight every weekend and I'd fight in three, four, five sections... And each each section you're having multiple fights. Yeah. So this so, is
1: actually in tournament, let alone in training and fighting and Oh yeah, that's and, just
0: actual competitive my God. But that's not unusual for the level of people that we're yeah. all the same. This is what I mean. You don't really reflect back. And I might have been world champion, but my best mate was multiple world champion in, in, other, in, in, in other associations as mm. well. So you never really rest on your laurels and sit and think about what you're doing. But yeah. it's not until afterwards you look back and go, well, yeah, look at what I've done. That's good. But what people don't see is all the losses all the failure all the nights that you're awake yeah. thinking analyzing and i fucking hate losing so much yeah. but like i explained you'd lose like one person wouldn't lose at every event yeah. the winner of the open weight yeah. and so you'd be literally so there's always something to come back to and reflect and work and it's a very very humbling experience mm. to go through so anyone who does any mat sports like brazilian jiu jitsu um you know karate taekwondo kickboxing they uh, even and any mat sport where it's a draw sheet, any anything where it's a draw sheet, and mm-hmm. you can compete and fight, it does build build up a certain amount of robustness. Yeah, I bet. because if you think about a boxer, a pro boxer. You know what they do is they want to keep that zero on there, don't they? As much so, the the fights are kind of pick and choose. Yeah, and you build them up appropriately, don't you? So I'm not like just you know, um, respected because it's brilliant. This is what you do with pro boxing. You're stupid if you do it any other way. They want to keep the zero, so you build people up appropriately at the right time. So they might see somebody who's got twenty and zero, but look at their amateur record. I bet it isn't. I bet it's not a zero on that. Yeah, they, they would have lost substantial amounts as an amateur. Yeah. Um, because that is where you improve and grow and you've got to lose. To get good at something, the people that are right at the very top have lost way more than the average person. Yeah, Way more. So you just see the person at the top of any particular avenue of sport or in success in anything and you see the finished result and you mm-hmm. think, oh, that person's a winner. You don't realize that they've lost more than anybody to mm-hmm. get to that point. To, to, to actually what, be winning. What
1: sort of money can you earn in your game? Oh, fuck all it has. It's yeah. a shame, isn't it?
0: Yeah. So there's a few things that are happening now. It's changing somewhat. That's why people are moving over to um, MMA. One of our teammates, Michael Page, Michael Venom Page, mm. went over to Bellator. I don't know if you follow MMA at mm. all. Do you know MVP? So he moved over. Then there was another guy from America, Raymond Daniels. Uh, he was sponsored with us with Top 10. He moved over. Uh, he's still fighting now as well. So these guys have done really well. Yeah. Come from our background. And there's a few others in America, and one of my students, Elijah Everill, um, he's probably one of the, probably one of the, if not the most successful mat sport fighter within WACO ever.
1: What's WACO stand for?
0: Uh, World Association of Kickboxing Organizations. Okay. So, and he's 14 times world champion from June. 14 times? 14 12. times world champion. That's what I said. You don't ever get, start gobbing off and thinking you're good because you got a world yeah. title. Because then you've got, got 14. Got 14 <laughs> yeah. So I've trained him since he was four and I've just literally treated him like a paratrooper. Okay. Right, in every, and I had a big team of them. And I used to take them everywhere with me. And I would...
1: How lit- old is he now?
0: He's now, I think he's 25. Okay. And he's just been signed up in America. to uh, It's called Karate Combat. Okay. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but they fight... All t- it's all traditional karate guys mainly. You've got some uh, points fighting guys and you've also got uh, a few of the full contact ones coming in and they fight in this area. It's brilliant uh, and it's it's kind of like a pit yeah. So you haven't got, you know, like they've got in MMA, you've got like a octagon, yeah. and then you've got a ring for kickboxing, yeah. and then mats for mat sports. Yeah. This is like slanted sides, so you okay. can kind of jump on the side, hit them. If they like, if you hit them and they fall on the side, it's all game on. You can still it's... bash him. So it, you have to watch it. It's called Karate Combat. Okay, I love it. So he's that. got a, he's got a contract with them, and he
1: Karate Combat, Karate Combat. Okay. Yeah.
0: So and it's going to be big. It's the next thing. You have got Bellator. You've yeah. got. Um, You've got obviously UFC and then yeah. this has come through and they've got their own niche, they're not trying to compete with them. The showmanship of it is amazing. The standard of the guys are all multiple karate world champions or whatever their background is. They're the champion of something. They yeah. come in and uh, and then it's full contact rules. You can hit them on the floor, but you've got like a three second um, and you can take them down as well. But it's mainly the striking. So Elijah did his first fight there. Uh, and and won it knocked him out in about thirty seconds. Wow! So and um, and he's a
1: fourteen-time world champion. Yeah, he is can he go on and earn a good pound note in, that, in so, that? Do you think
0: now they can? There's, now he's is it one. only in
1: America? Is it?
0: Well, all, yeah, the minute really. So totally, the money's at Yeah, yeah. Okay. so he's actually fighting in Las Vegas uh, in December. So I'll be going to watch him on. I'll nice. Definitely going to that one so, yeah, to mate. watch him. So that'll be his second fight, and then he'll win. He'll win the, the league. That's what he's... he's, what's, not there he's
1: what's he... Like? If he's coming here now in the room, would you know he was a world... 14-time world kickboxing champion? Does he got that look in his... Is he got that glint that he could... He knows he can handle himself?
0: Um, so, Elijah's a very, very humble young man. Is he man. quiet? Is he... Yeah, no. It, when, the thing is, he's he, he's a, a, an absolute gentleman. Yep. He's literally removed himself from anything outside of kickboxing. Brilliant. He doesn't go out. Never. Yeah. Doesn't go to the after party and celebrates. He yeah. just wins. He doesn't drink. He's never touched a drop, a drop of alcohol in his life. He makes some tremendous sacrifices. He trains every day. He All his free time is spent researching and watching fighters, the ones he's going to be wow. fighting, wow. so he can figure out what his game is. What's plans. his name? Elijah? Elijah Everill. 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 Yeah. So watch out. out for him. Yeah. He is going to be...
1: The, Could he flip over into... Uh, UFC,
0: quite possibly. Yeah. He? He's not sure what he's going to do at this stage.
1: Is he learning BJJ? At he the is. Moment? Yeah, I think he's blue is. belt at the minute, so blue. he's working okay. his way up.
0: So, what, uh, do, they,
1: what do the uh, colors go in?
0: Blue, purple, brown, and black. Blue,
1: purple, brown, black.
0: Yeah, and I think for, for Brazilian, it's so. But even the blue belts are nails, to be honest. Yeah. Have <laughs> you got a blue belt and Brazilian Yeah, you yeah. Soon, yeah. You do know you
1: know it's funny talking about BJJ? We we went up and did um, uh, Mike Bisping, mm. and we did the cover photo, and it was me and Mike Bisping there, and everyone was like. Oh my God, Rickson and Gracie's interview Mike Bisping. Rickson and Gracie. I was like, who the fuck's Ricks and Gracie? Well, they I thought you, Ricks and- yeah, everyone call these comics <laughs> I Googled him. He's like, obviously, 60 years old yeah, yeah. now and stuff. Yeah. You don't look that old, mate. No, thank you. Make sure these cameras yeah. do good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Might look a little bit Brazilian. Brazilian, though, yeah, mate. Yeah. Yeah.
1: How did you end up working with Nigel and Connor Ben? So
0: Nigel Ben used to be the ambassador for my organisation, British Military Martial Arts. Probably about... Uh, eight, ten years ago, something like that. Yeah. So um, he came down on numerous occasions um, and we went around. I'd have him for like a couple of days at a time and we'd just drive around the UK, do seminars together, go to some of my different schools. Connor was a young lad at the time. He was about 15, I think, and he wasn't boxing or anything. He really wanted to box at the time because um, we used to take him around with us. But his mum is very religious and, and obviously uh, Nigel is the born-again Christians. Yeah. And um, so... She was really against it. You know, she'd uh, obviously seen what Nigel had been through in the boxing. And so I don't know how he managed to um, con- con- convert his mum over. But mm-hmm. obviously, it's great to see him doing it. And mm-hmm. it's really good to see him now growing up. He's a hell of a man now, isn't he? God, unbelievable. Unbelievable. What a fighter. but Unbe- It's just like his dad. What a fighter. Bang. Yeah. So I've got a load of respect for him. It was great to see him do so, so well. And
1: how good was Nigel back in the day? <sighs> still, Even now he's in great nick. What's he, late 50s now? Yeah. Something like mid 50s, late 50s. What?
0: Yeah. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. So he was, um, as he was ex-army as well. Do you know, he started off in kickboxing. Did he? Yes, yeah, so he started off in kickboxing. He was trained by Neville Ray, who's like the head uh, vice, I think he's uh, vice president for Wacko GB. Uh, and a friend and someone I've known for a very long time one of the event um, organisers for some of the main kickboxing events in the UK oh, wow.
1: so and he was in the military as well it wasn't was in, he
0: I think it was the Fusiliers It was in I can't 100% remember but he's definitely an infantry regiment and I don't think but I think from what Connor said uh, sorry uh, what Ben uh, Nigel Ben said was his he had his first fights in the actual in the army what, as a Million, man. million as well. No, so they didn't do million. This okay. was just army boxing. It's a okay. like million though. <laughs> army boxing is 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 pretty full on. Like yeah. you get scored for coming forwards, mm. uh, and it's a lot of aggression and you know toe to toe, really fit, physical um, people that are fighting. And he just knocked everyone out. Just yeah. everyone.
1: What and year? I- what year are we talking here?
0: For when he was boxing, he, then, yeah, I, I wouldn't know to be Not, honest with you. Sorry, I think it's probably when was his when was he early nineties, like, well, probably yeah, late eighties, probably eighties, I'd yeah. have thought something. And then he just he obviously realised he was really good at it, like really, really good at it. And then it just went from there, and he, he went to do it professionally.
1: And um, was he just banging people out just, in the army?
0: Yeah, it was just everyone. It was just a natural, wasn't he? And then his son obviously Connor, Connor, just seems to have just have he's got the same genes in him. It's like watching the same person
1: again. We're going back to it's the same mindset,
0: exactly obsessed, yeah. And he really wanted to do it for yeah. a long, long time. And I know, uh, he, so it must have been his. It must be home. hard
1: though, being uh, Connor, trying to follow in your dad's footsteps, even though you don't want to follow in your dad's footsteps, even though you've got massive respect for your dad, yeah. you want to follow in his footsteps, but you want to do it in your way. Of course, yeah. You know? and, and I've got to take huge, for what he for him leaving Australia, coming back to the UK by himself, And just been obsessed with training and fighting, obsessed with training and fighting while his dad's in Australia still. And it's great to see Nigel back in England now. It's lovely. Yeah, Yeah, mate. He was
0: back. He was at um, at an event last weekend, actually. Some of my friends saw him. One of my mates, Clifton Finley, was there. Did a little video, Nigel saying hello to us. Quality. It's been a few years since I've seen him. And
1: we were were chatting earlier before the show and stuff. What was your uh, relationship with Jean-Claude Van Damme? Ah,
0: Jean-Claude Van Damme, yeah. So I worked with him as well before Nigel uh, as an ambassador for my organization. And that was a bit of a story, actually, if you want me me to tell you about it. So um, I think it was 2003. So we'd got him, a friend of mine um, had got, he was coming over to the UK and my friend of mine um, had managed to get him to come over to our event so me being me, I thought, right, I'm going to really get some publicity from this. It's in Telford, my hometown, was at the Gates Theatre, which is like the big place where if comedians come. It's like where you'd go or if there's bands or whatever. So it's tiered seating. So I rented the whole place out. I've got loads of other people. Uh, down as well I had uh, Brolio's brother Victor Estima was there uh, I had uh, Richie Woodall yeah. was there one of my heroes same from- surname but he's got an yeah. H in his so he's, uh, he's from Telford isn't he he Richie is yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so I worked with him we we're business partners for a bit yeah. and he taught me uh, privately in boxing for a few years uh, he's an outstanding person just yeah. the whole character of him he's a really great guy yeah he's everything he personifies everything you'd expect from a champion um, and then, so he was there, and two of my friends as well, Drew Neal and Sam Timmis. They were both top level kickboxers that were in my team, which was called the team that I was part of, called the mm. Top Ten UK Team, mm. which is one of the best teams in the world for mm. for for a, for a few um, for a few years. So the, I had all these all concurrent activities going on with the kickboxing champions. Richie Woodall was there the, there was the, the grappling going on and I'd sell john Claude Van Damme t-shirts and we were waiting for him and so I, he said, yeah, he will be over there at so and I don't know three o'clock or whatever We started the event uh, 10 o'clock in the morning and you know it was due to come I don't know it's like midday or whatever it was and uh, you know it was getting towards the time and mm. I'm like, where is he?" And so I, I rang me mate and he said, Oh, he was standing in a flap. He goes, we're having, we're having dramas. Don't worry, I'll get him here. He's just in a bit of a mood. I was like, Oh shit, like what, what's going on? I felt myself like blush and go red. I was like, Oh my God, I've got 400 people here all waiting for him. And you can definitely get him here, can't You can definitely yeah. get him here. And he's going, Yeah, yeah, don't worry. And then nothing had happened. Hadn't earned and I hadn't heard anything. And I rang him back again and he didn't answer. And I was ringing and ringing. I got through and he goes, Mate, he's fucking, he's good to go. He's good. He's good. He's going on the plane. He's sulked. Like he's. I, He's sulking for some reason. I think they said something to him and he had a bit of a flipping hissy fit and was going to go. So I was like, mate, whatever you do, just get him here, get him in the car, tell him you're taking him there and just bring him in." Kidnapping him. Because I I'd, yeah. I'd literally, right, planned the day for him. I'd got him... I'd got him to go to Telford United Football Club. I got loads of visitors were going to go there. I had all the press arriving, that the TV cameras. So Jean Claude Van Damme's coming to Telford. I'd pulled loads of strings, doing what I normally do to make it look great. He could get some free publicity. I could get some publicity out of it. Right, that was gone. So uh, all the all the pre arranged stuff that I'd had with him, I thought right, I'll sack that off. As long as he, he comes, that'll be all right. So then and then got on to him again. This is like an hour and a half after he's meant to be here. Uh, and he said, right, we've got him in the car then, we're, like, we're, we're on the way, but he said he's not going to do anything. So I was like, shit myself the whole time. Um, and we, people were waiting then, and people had bought all these t-shirts, and they're going, is he even coming, mate? I want my money back. But luckily, the guys that I had there, were, were just filling the gaps. And yeah. it was an outstanding seminar anyway because we had people training and doing stuff with all mm. these other guys. And they were really inspirational. They were helping. They were giving as much of their time and effort and energy to the children as they could. And that was great. Um, and then finally, we got him on route and they said, right, he's fucking like, he's, he's got hangover or something. We need to get him some Alka-Seltzer uh, and this, that, and the other. So they gave us a big list of stuff we had to get sent. But sent me, mate, it was Toby who was with us at the minute. I said, sorry, Toby, to be like, but can you do this for me, mate? Yeah. Go and get me this, that, yeah. and the other. Then he went. He, luckily, he did. He went away, and then uh, he got all the stuff. And then he uh, he arrived. And then they said, "Listen, when when he comes on stage, someone needs to clean the car out for him." I don't know if he'd been sick or something. Mm. He'd done something, but the car was a mess. Toby, me again. <laughs> I said, "Just save my life, Toby. Just do this. Clean the car for him. Help him." Van Damme walked in like. Quite small, actually. It's mad seeing him. He's yeah. my, bearing in mind, right, Jean Claude Van Damme is my hero, yeah. as he probably was yeah. for you yeah, and yeah, loads yeah. of other lads yeah. from our generation. He he broke the mold, didn't he? Like I watched yeah. all of his films. Like he, he was my absolute hero. I was obsessed with him. Watched all of his films multiple times. And then to to, to meet him was to say was an anticlimax is you know an understatement. Mm. So he, he he was very um, under dressed, so to say. He had like a t shirt on, a top short cropped hair with glasses on. Um, and he he came in finally, just burst into the back end of the changing rooms. And I was like, oh wow, I was like a bit starstruck as mm. well. And I went to shake his hand, put my hand up to shake it. And he didn't, didn't even put his oh, hand up. Um, and then I just said, hi, I'm Lee, I'm running the event. And then he put his hand up and, and then shook yeah. us. Toby had gone out to clean his car up and everything. We had, the local press had been waiting for hours. They just took a few shots of him, managed to get him coming mm. out of the car and that, because Jean-Claude Van Damme was in Telford. <laughs> like, you know, no one comes to Telford. Mm. Um, And then I was on, I said to him, right, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to go on the stage, I'm going to call you out. And then, you know, and then we're going to do this, that and the other, and he was like, all right, all right. So I was on the stage and then I got everybody out. Everyone was like, it was, it's, you know, a bit of a wait creates anticipation, yeah, doesn't yeah. it? So we're on the stage and I said, ladies and gentlemen, Finally, I'd like to welcome Mr. And um, just as i was saying it just bowled out before I'd even finished it. Uh, John claude Van Damme. And uh, so he came out and I gave him a microphone. So I gave him the microphone mm. to speak into. And he basically was speaking and um, talking into the microphone. And someone in the crowd went, speak up. We can't hear you. And I said, um, you know, I said to the sound guy, I said, is the microphone on? He went, mm. yeah, it's working. Just tell John claude to put it closer to his mouth. Yeah. And he was going, oh, the microphone's not, mm-hmm. not working. My terrible French I said, <laughs> he said. do you <laughs> Yeah. And then he'd just gone by <laughs> well <yeah. laughs> So I said, put the microphone right against your lips. He went, and he grabbed the microphone, shoved it into my hand. As he looked me in the eye, went, I'm not going to give the microphone a fucking blowjob. <laughs> and I remember I felt myself blush. I looked into his eyes and I just thought, fucking madman. I thought, I've got to get him out of here. He's yeah. going to like cause catastrophe. And uh and then I thought right, I've got a clip on mic, thing here. I took that off him, I went, right, took, unclip this. There's the mic, I said you speak into this. So he's walking around on the stage and he obviously has some type of pre-arranged thing that he probably says at lots of different mm. events. And he couldn't really understand what he's saying. I, I think he was definitely a bit hungover or a bit of something, yeah. a, a bit of something, to be honest likes with to you. He liked a party. Yeah, I think he, he it like, definitely looked yeah. like the day after a really yeah. good night, to yeah. be honest with you. and He was sweating through. his. He had a light gray top, like bad. And the light blue it was, but it's a bad choice because you see all the dark blue sweat stains <laughs> coming through. And he was moving around and talking. And he tried to say something. And he just, you know, when you just lose your chain of thought and you just like, like, like just lose it, and you just couldn't speak. And someone in the in the crowd like laughed because um, he was making a bit of a fool of himself. Yeah. To be honest with you, and he went fuck it and fuck into fuck it into the mic. Fuck, I had all kids there, bearing in mind, fuck, 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 all around the room. Was like parents putting their ears over the kids' uh, yeah. hands over the kids' ears, yeah. threw the mic down, went into the corner in a sulk, sat in the corner like a child, and everyone was shot. There's like four hundred people in the crowd, right? <laughs> I thought, what the fuck am I going to do here? And so everyone was like sat there, not knowing uh, kind of how to respond to stuff. And then I had to, like someone said, come like get him. Like you're going to have to get him. So what we're going to do? So I went over to the corner. I'm like, come on, Jean-Claude Van Damme, my childhood hero. (laughs) He goes, he's going, no one. He goes, I've... Uh, everyone hates me now. It's like having a brother like a 60 feet. Oh, no. Everyone hates me now. He sat there with his, with his head down like that. And I said, yeah. he goes, oh, I've messed it up. And again, no, you haven't, mate. I said, we've been waiting hours for you. Yeah. I said, honestly, he said, everyone loves you. I love you. We all love you. We've been, he goes, really? And I was like, yeah, come on, mate. He said, you know, let come out. We'll just do it one last time. We just had a bad start. That's all. He went, all right, then. Like, honestly, like coaxing a child around. Yeah, yeah. And then we pulled him out and everyone was like, Hey, kind of half-hearted. I got him up. And then, do you know what? He was, he, he was, he was all right then, but it was a little bit insincere at that stage because yeah. everyone had kind of seen he had a bit of a, a fit. And we had a mess around. And then he was, he got me up to demonstrate one of his kicks and that. And we had a bit of a, like a mess around spa. I should have just, fucking, <laughs> I should have just smashed him straight in. I definitely could have. He was short and he weren't that good. I thought I could have definitely stuck it on him. Someone did have a footage, but they weren't really. Um, the phones weren't very yeah. good then. There was footage of me actually having a little spa with yeah. him, which would have been great if I'd had that now. But unfortunately, I didn't. So then he did one pitch with everyone, and then just went off. Done. And everyone was like, "Wow, what just happened then?" But it did get a lot of uh, publicity. Mm. But um, I was worried that he was going to ruin my career, make me look bad. But at least he turned up. I can't. I can't make him be mm. user friendly. Mm. I think it, there's quite a few stories of him being a bit like that. Anyway.
1: You moving forward, how have you built your business? How have you built your kickboxing business in in what you've done around the UK?
0: So um, while I was fighting, I was training a squad and I was also opening more schools. So I had, I had my one full-time centre in Telford, yeah. which is still going now. That's our headquarters. Yeah. And I built that up to like 400 students. And as people over time, you know, I did, I've implemented all of my kind of military ethos and values into it. Our black belts, like mini P company events, yeah, they have to do log runs, they have to do ten hill reps, uh, ten hill runs. Okay. They, then they fight, and then it's not milling, but like it's full It's longer than milling; it's sixteen rounds, and they do points, light contact, full contact, two on one, full contact right at the end when they're depleted. So you're going
1: to really push people's boundaries horrendously, horrendously. horrendously. like. And a lot of those kids who are gay in there. What sort of age groups are these people?
0: So I have twelve year olds do the black belts even younger sometimes, but they'd been with me f- only younger if they'd been with me as a squad fighter because the squad fighters is what I'd do because I'd built up at one stage uh, when I was still teaching myself, I'd had about my full-time center and about 30 other schools around that within a 10-mile radius. Yeah. So, because once you get to Black Belt, people want to teach. So I was yeah. just opening schools with with the right people. And then because of that, I got a big pool of people to pick from. Um, so f- from that, I'd scoop skim off the top the very, very best ones. Yeah brief them up and say to the mums and dads, I'm fighting, your guys have got potential. I want them to come in my squad. If they come in the squad, they need to train five times a week. They're doing two or three classes a night with me. They fight at all of these events. And if you don't want to do it, don't do it. But it's my rules. You have no like no input whatsoever into what I do with them you just say fucking thank you and fucking be appreciated. That you the horrible squad. bastard. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And, and <laughs> you've managed their expectations totally yeah, at mate. that point. I mean, yeah, don't do it. Don't yeah. do it if you don't want to. Mate, uh, I love
1: the mentality, I've yeah. got to say, Lee, because if you want to be a fighter, you've got to be the best. If Absolutely. you want to be, you've got to be disciplined. Yeah. You've got to cut everything else out. You've got to be, it's like being in business. Yeah, yeah. You know, you've got to be obsessed to be 100%. successful. 100%. If you're you've not obsessed, it. right, yeah.
0: and you don't think about, it, every thought isn't about it or everything yeah. you do, taking you one step closer to it then there are people that are, and you won't succeed. Yeah, there's
1: succeed in the armor there, isn't
0: there? Absolutely. Wow. So you've got to be all in, totally submerged in it. Yeah. How old are you today, Lou? I am 46. 46. Are you still fighting? No. So I stopped fighting when I was 35. Yeah, stop fighting. I thirty-five because I'd built up. I'd got about fifty or 60, 50 or sixty locations at that point. What around I, the UK? Yeah, I've got. Well, I've opened over two hundred locations over the last twenty-five years. We've got the biggest chain of martial arts centers in the UK now. Wow! So that's just from, and I never tried to be the biggest. Yeah. I just wanted to be as as good a quality as I could possibly get. Yeah. and the side effect of that was expansion but indirectly because I had the right people. I've made it difficult to get in. You couldn't just buy into my franchise. Mm. You had to pass my five-day selection course, which is tough. You know, it's a real tough course. (laughs) I can imagine. And if you don't pass (laughs) it, and then once they did pass it, I would would put obstacles in their way on purpose to see. see Yeah, yeah, because motivation isn't a good indication of someone's ability to succeed because that dies off. Mm. I want to know if you've got if you're going to grind, if you can have perseverance and discipline Mm. and just keep going until you succeed. So I would purposely put things in their way and make it more difficult. And then then they can come in. Mm. Um, So, and then what that did is the right people really bought into it. So the
1: right people are buying a franchise off you.
0: That was right. Of yeah. your
1: brand, which is called today. British
0: L- military martial arts. British
1: military martial arts. That's right. They what to give me how would the business model work? Say if I did your five day. Yes,
0: yeah, so you did the five five day. And before. I was
1: fucking drained after it. Yeah, that'd be good at that <laughs> stage.
0: Yeah. The Fridays, all the tests, the yeah, yeah, tests.
1: So if I'd done that and passed, Yeah. and like, you know that I'm mad king to become a part of what you're doing, yeah. Have I got to pay you some money for that?
0: Yeah, so there's a there's a there's a franchise fee, but I like discount it substantially for people that are at national level yeah. or something, or if they're ex if they're veterans, because I want to be able to have the right people in yeah, there okay, that, that okay, way. Okay, yeah. And then what I do is I guarantee we've never had anyone that's launched it and not been successful. Okay, because me, me and my team like will. Want we'll, them to be successful. Yeah, yeah, and we'll, course, yeah. we will do the processes and the systems. We we launch it with them. And if it doesn't, if it's not working, we literally will just keep readjusting the process until it's Tweaking successful. everything to it's yeah. successful. Okay. And so how
1: does that person work? So if I come and took it off you and I said, yeah. right, I've got my own school there under your brand name. I'll give you a lump up front, say so thank you very much. Yeah. You're guiding me on what to do, what not to do. I'm getting clients in saying, right, I've got 100 yeah. clients. How much would they be paying a month? Is it a monthly fee? Like 30 quid a month, 20 yeah, quid a month?
0: It's, it's, it depends on... The location, because yeah. obviously that has a lot to, to do with it. Yeah. If you're in Scotland, the class is a little bit cheaper. Yeah. Not because they're stingy up there, even though they are a little bit stingy up there. It's more to do with... <laughs>
1: Peeling orange in the yeah, pocket. Yeah. there.
0: <laughs> but it's more to do with it, like things are cheaper up there generally. Yeah. Um, then if it's down south, obviously it's more if you've got a full-time location. If you're in satellite schools, in like primary schools, yeah. which is how we tend to launch them to start with, then they'll be cheaper again. But say it's anywhere from, if it's one day a week in a primary school, it might be £39 a month. Yeah. It could be up to like, if it's an exclusive area, like yeah. we've got some in some of the other exclusive areas, it could be 79 pounds a month if it's a full-time centre and they're training multiple classes. Yeah. So there's, it varies depending on what programme they're doing yeah, and yeah. how much they're, they're doing. And are you
1: at your peak right now? Do you find that, like in business, people say, I want to expand, I want to expand, I want more and more and more. Sometimes more and more give you a headache. And doesn't mean you're going to generate as much net profit at the end of it.
0: That is a very, very wise statement that you mm. said, then, and very true. Mm. As you said that from experiencing yourself from doing stuff because well, I've been is
1: a, that running is a, businesses for twenty five years. Yeah, as an that is exactly so, yeah. what
0: happens. Yeah. yeah, well, you know, you hit that point where uh, to start off with. You do break past it, but yeah. there's a lot of work. I always advise people to not do what I've done. Yeah, I agree. Like I just say, get one full-time center as an epicenter mm. and have a surrounding area of lots of schools that you can totally control yeah. and you can feed your own team into teaching them, and you can oversee the whole thing. That's easier to maintain, and you can make good money. When I started to go uh, national and have schools all over the place.
1: can't stay on top of it.
0: It was hard. I had to totally change all my my systems, the way I would mentor them, Um, and then it was more effort, more outgoing, and no more money to start with. Obviously, if you persevere past that and get Mm. bigger, then I broke past that Mm. point then, and then I restructured stuff, and had I put other people... Within my organization, then to, to be yeah, able have you air, need area man- You need area managers. You need yeah, managers. That's what
1: I you need did. a director. Of, all of a sudden, you're outlaying more yeah. to have more, which doesn't actually generate more net profit. No, the reason it. why I say that just there, I had twelve nightclubs every week for ten years. Oh wow! So when we when we built, this was in my twenties. Yeah. So when we were building the nightclub Manchester and Birmingham, Leicester and London, wherever it was, you think the more, but it's more red it's more overhead. Yeah. It's more everything. It's always a
0: problem. And you're best off.
1: yeah. And you're best off having four or five that you can manage. Bam, 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 yeah. bam. Make it profitable. Make the make the flyers and posters and make all the promo amazing. Make everyone's experience amazing. Two thousand people in that club. You're taking the door money. Yeah. And make five amazing rather than going twelve. But in your twenties, you're learning. Yeah, of
0: course. You know. And that's, but but look, luckily now, I've set it up in such a way that we could scale. We could scale times 10 now. Yeah. And would be and I've set everything up for that. Yeah. For the ability that to it takes time, mate. In business. A lot of time yeah, and a mate. lot of money. Yeah. And then I've I've literally I've just recently got the training program that I've been doing, the five-day selection course that I've been doing for the last 15, 17, 17, 15, 16 years, something like that. Mm. Three or four times a year. I've done it. I've done it a lot. I know it extensively. Yeah. I've trained hundreds and hundreds of instructors on it um and i've recently rebranded it and made and made it into a book yeah so uh and that's all based off that's the one yet yeah? here we <laughs> yeah.
1: go for anyone looking
0: so that's elite uh,
1: martial arts instructor
0: you got one of the early ones because it's Mate. not out till the first of november loving
1: but, um, the uh front cover
0: pretty alley isn't it yet yeah. like i said couldn't be any more masculine and a big machine gun maybe a big mexican big or something <laughs> big handlebar <Yeah>. <laughs> But it's, um, that is an instruction manual of everything I've done and how to literally go from no schools, nothing, start afresh, build up, launch, and then scale and pull back and build an empire. Yeah. So it's everything I've done. But it's also only half of its instruction manual. A lot of it's military analogies, mindset, personal anecdotes and stories about myself and everything I talk about I relate back to a personal story Stip. or situation as, as kind of an example yeah. of what I'm talking about to just show you I'm not gobbing off and yeah, yeah, yeah. it
1: up. You mate, know. you know your stuff, mate. And what I love about this story is you've gone through to build the discipline to everything you've done with the parachute to make you a extremely tough human being. I hope so. And over these last 20 years building your business is, is pretty phenomenal. There's not many people who have left the military and gone on to do what you've done.
0: No, there isn't. But we're... we're there are some the thing is as well, and this is the thing I've always said, uh, veterans, military personnel have such a great, unique skill set yeah. and they make great leaders. I mean, mm. if you do something like the junior NCO carders and the senior NCO carders that you do in the military, juniors and seniors and drilling duties, people, you learn how to lead. And you learn how to lead well, and you learn how to lead under immense pressure yeah. when everything's going wrong. Mm. And as far as I'm concerned, you can't tell a leader until things go wrong. Yeah, absolutely, you know hundred percent. I mean? Yeah,
1: and um, you know that when the pandemic hit. Oh yeah, hundred percent. A lot of, of pandemics. Pandem- hidden thing: the proper leader was stand up and look after your team. Absolutely, don't get rid of people. Look after the team, protect your team. That's what we did here, obviously, with the Bournemouth Circus yeah, yeah. Festival. Yeah, you know, Twelve full time stuff protect the team at all costs, and then that pays off at the end. It does, Do you absolutely. Know? Otherwise you've got to go and split your team up and everyone, no. People think
0: selfishly. Yeah, if you agree. can give more, give more. Agree. Look after the people closest to you Agree. Um, and take on more of the burden. You should be the human shield for your men yeah. or your women, whoever you're in charge of. Yeah. You take the hit. Mm. You don't pass shit. They say shit rolls down in the army, but that's only from the top. It doesn't in the smaller groups. Agree. You know, you literally, you've got a good leader. They're, they're taking the brunt of it mm. for you. Do you know what I mean?
1: Entrepreneur. Plus management equals success. Absolutely. If you get that right management in place and employ the right people around you to make mo- The right
0: people as well, there isn't 100%. it hundred so percent. It's not just about say this, it's not just about your trading process yep. and your training procedures. They are really important. I've got those down to a T, but it's about selection of the right people because some people will never be right. Agree. And you you delude it, you know, yourself. it comes down
1: to it. comes down to attitude. Yeah. I employ people purely on attitude. I don't care 100%. if you've got the skill set or not. I'll teach you the skills. Yeah. If you've got the right attitude, you're gonna win you're going to come on the journey and you're exactly. going to be success. Yeah, You want
0: someone who's pumped, wants to be with you, is loyal and is prepared to like um, fail, make mistakes, learn yeah. Yeah. and improve, you know, yeah. and that's 100% what you yeah. need, isn't it? You can build on that. Absolutely. Someone's really, I've got a good set of skill sets Uh, but they haven't got that they might there's going to be job jumping anyway a lot of of the time aren't they well that's
1: what's happening you've seen over the last few years everyone's job jumping yeah jump job jump job it never happened we're growing up it's like people were in a job for guaranteed 10 years or whatever now people are like because of social media and people like I want to jump there think the grass is greener the grass is greener the grass isn't always greener on the other side you know it's where you water it. Exactly. You know? And also, if you don't persevere at something, you only get
0: really good at something after an extended amount of time yes. on that one thing. Yes. And if you do that for one time and you're, you're headed there and then you change your di- direction and head somewhere else mm. and then you change your direction and mm. head, you're never going to get to any final destination. Agreed. You can just have a, have a simple plan, yeah. stick to it, And then just keep relentlessly Mm. dragging yourself forward Mm. by your fingernails, inch at a time, Mm. until you get to your objective. You know, that's I've done
1: sixteen, coming in seventeen years of the festival we own here. Is it independently owned. Oh yeah, that's right. Seventeen years every day. Every day. Seventeen years. Wow. You know, know thirty thousand people come into a party come to a field to party for three days, four hundred teams, hundred DJs, da da da, all of that. Mm. Every minute of every day. I'm thinking about this. Yeah. Every minute of the day, every minute, of the day. even the podcast lasts for a year. Every, <laughs> minute, every minute of the day, you do get obsessed with it, yeah. You and a do. Bi- business it, to make a business work, you have to be obsessed, yeah. All of this, oh, yeah, work life balance. I think that's
0: bollocks. all oh, right. Talk about it in my book,
1: mate. I, yeah. I think it's bollocks. And I can only speak from my experience. Mm. I'm sure the world we're in at the moment, work life balance is all lovely, and go at home and switch off your computer. But if you're an entrepreneur and you're working for yourself, there's no work life balance until no. you get to a point. Where you've broken the back of your business and then you can start to balance things exactly. up a bit.
0: call it counterbalance in my book mm. so say like a paratrooper or a world champion are not balanced yeah like you are the opposite of balance you're all in yes. you're submerged fully Obsessed. in your event mm. and then once you've achieved success mm. you can then i counterbalance what i'll do i'll then submerge myself back in my family for a bit turn my phone off gone a really nice holiday mm. and be uh, just be Fully, uh, you know, present as as dad or whatever. Got an addictive personality. Uh, I I was diagnosed obsessive compulsive again in my mid uh, thirties.
1: So, are you like you mentioned earlier about dyslexia, ADHD, compulsive? Yeah. I don't know any of this. No, I've no. just done it. I've never had a the job prob- in my life. Yeah. I've just done entrepreneur. <laughs> da, 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 and I know I've got some of this stuff, but how do I find out?
0: I, I went and got uh, privately diagnosed by a psychologist. Where, where yeah, a psychologist. Go? I went to do an English
1: course. It's first. not a woo-woo stuff. No, no, list. no. Older, look into my eyes. Look into my eyes. You're under. None of that. No, it
0: was kind <laughs> of accidental. But to start off with, the first one was uh, dyslexia is when I went to redo English um, when I was in my mid-30s. I'm going to do my English now. I'm going to not gonna master this, so I couldn't read. All right, when I f- very well when I first left the mm. army, I'd only read one book at school. I yeah. think Jane Eyre or something. It mm. was shit as well. I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> you had to write something about <laughs> it, so that I'd, I'd read that, and then um, I'd started reading self development books in my mm. mid twenties, and I I was like I got obsessed because I was like, just like with martial arts, I thought. This makes me better. I can become a better person yeah. from this. So again, I was like hooked on it. I read like over 200 books um, all the time and audios obsessively. And I'd listen to the same audios over and over and over mm. again, just because I'm not that great at retaining stuff, I'm honest with you. So yeah, it just help imprint it. And it also kept me in a really good positive frame of mind yeah. as well. So I'd just listen to it and I'd read and I'd submerge myself with all of these uh, new ideas. So in breaking down boundaries, re kind of wiring your brain a little bit and opening up your horizons, mm. Uh, and it really really for me helped me and i also learnt to read properly <laughs> yeah. a lot better and and write through yeah. um, through reading did you books. write this book yourself i did 100% myself did you it's, yeah so i'm not i'm now because i've been in business
1: you're book, an author yeah <laughs> a few days oh, not you. many people can say that can no, they? no no <laughs> <laughs> and some people i was, couldn't think of anything worse than to write a book like for me it's like i'd have to have someone d- ghostwriter or something yeah. to go
0: through it all or just That's put it on worked. a podcast. It and- wouldn't work for me. I'm way too much of a control freak. Really? I tried it on the first chapter, I thought, and I, and I spent um, an hour and a half speaking to them about everything and then they wrote it down in a way which was totally wrong and then I just read it all the whole thing and I thought, this isn't going to work. It so what I did is I just literally just splurted it all out, yeah. all spelt wrong. On bo- audio? Bo- or you wrote it No, wrote it. So I just wrote, on my computer, didn't even look up
1: like that. Were you like middle finger typing? Yeah, or like you, it's. Or was yeah. you, did you, you end up like that? In crayon,
0: most <laughs> <couple> of the <ages. laughs>
1: So, um, I'm, I'm like this on a computer.
0: I don't look up. I'm, no, it's only <laughs> capitals, but for fuck's sake, someone needs to make a button to reverse it Rever- from capitals, yeah. don't they? Rather than have to delete all and I've got a Mac as well. It goes so slowly, <laughs> so I literally didn't look up without. So how I'd just, long
1: did you take you? How yeah. long did it take you to do this from start to finish? Eighteen months. That's Eighteen that months. Being now. And um, did were you totally obsessed? Obsessed.
0: In- it was about four in the morning. Yeah. I was thinking about it as soon as ideas popped in my in my head uh, beyond my phone. I was literally like I was possessed. I look at it now and I read it and I think, how the fuck did I write yeah, that? Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's there's some good stuff. What I tried to do is try to put because I've read so many books and mm. I've had a lot of done a lot in my life in many different areas and I wanted to get all the lessons I'd learned and compact them into one book. Yeah. So I thought if you're a martial artist then everything you want is in there so you don't need to read 200 books. Yeah. Okay. I've got all different time you know management. What I, you
1: know when I just flicked through you yeah, gave yeah. me it earlier I love the way it's presented. Like you can flick a page and uh, the title is every t- two different pages like yeah. different, different things. subheadings. Subheadings like God, that makes life easier.
0: Yeah. That's for me. <laughs> yeah, no, but I'm saying I'd yeah. go
1: I'd go right, you know, let's pick a page today. All right, page one four four, there we go. Fight nights title happy yeah. days there's a three paragraphs on that and the next one is mentoring like
0: yeah. brilliant there's loads of stuff in there that crosses over from multiple industries in business as well but I'll be honest so half of it is like an instruction manual of how to get to where you want but yeah. the other half is very much readable by anyone really my personal story mindset and examples of what I've done yeah. um, and what some of my students have done and and how we think and how we approach stuff and how we approach stuff in the parachute regiment and it's quite a different mindset to a normal person to be honest with you so uh, yeah
1: so hopefully I've managed
0: to sum it up in there
1: I've really enjoyed this Uh, me too mate it's been brilliant yeah mate I've properly enjoyed this what a a great life you've you've had so far thank you very much I managed to start in as well
0: this is obviously another chapter for me excuse the pun so give me
1: to tell people where they can get the book.
0: But the book's going to be available on Amazon from the first of November, two thousand and twenty-three. Brilliant! Yeah.
1: Happy days, mate. I'll and book. where and where can people find you?
0: Yeah. So main ones Instagram, uh, Lee Matthews official, and um, my new website that comes out on the first of November, which is leematthewsofficial.com.
1: Yeah, mate. Yeah, mate. What an eventful life you've lived. Thank you very much, mate. I love your mindset brilliant do you know yeah. what I mean I can see a lot of similarities in, in our mindset in business Yeah, yeah. In my business mindset with your parachute mindset with your business same mindset thing, like, it's it? exactly the same thing yeah
0: yeah that's what I said about veterans like yeah. they've got the skill set but yeah. they just lack the confidence so yeah. I want to try and encourage some of these yeah, guys quality. to come in and you know trust me there's a safety net there it's me yeah. jump and you'll make it and yeah. I'll, I'll support you yeah wicked mate you know, mate I love this brilliant me you're, too mate you're a good man thank you very much nice one Lou. thank you for having me cheers, on cheers fella
1: cheers buddy